Mo Facts with Adam Curry for May 21st, 2022. It's episode number 81, y'all. That's right. That's my Texas drawl, y'all. 95 degrees here in Texas. What are we at? May? Are you kidding me? I'm Adam Curry coming to you from the heart of the Texas Hill Country, FEMA region number six. And it's time once again to spin the wheel of topics from here to northern Virginia. I wonder what the temperature is. Let's find out. Please say hello to my friend on the other end, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mo Facts. How you doing, Adam? <laughs> Mo, I'm always good when I hear your sultry tones, brother. How are Man, you? This one of my this speaking of uh hot weather, this is the perfect song uh for the intro. Yeah. Uh, we got a little summertime. Early summertime. It's like 90 degrees. It was like 95 here yesterday. It's just insane. Uh, What's going on? They got it they, they they keep turning on harp to ruin our food supply <laughs> or something. I don't know what's going on, man. It's bad. It's really bad. How's everything going, Mo? You cool? Everything's going well. <clears throat> um almost died <laughs> what what uh, what are you talking about eating some banana nut bread and uh, it almost took me out here but i'm good um but yeah everything <laughs> are, are you are you allergic for nuts or for bananas no it was actually just choked on a piece of it not, you're not too bad strangle. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Strang- a slight, it was a slight strangle but it almost uh i'm sorry i'm uh, laughing took me out, but not nah, everything's going good how about yourself yeah everything's real good man it's just it's uh it's a little bit too warm uh, we actually went to uh the keeper and I went to South Carolina, Charleston, for a big meetup. And I got to tell you, it was kind of, yeah, it was a no agenda meetup. It was also uh-huh. like a podcasting 2.0 meetup. And it was a MoFax meetup. It was it was fantastic. I met Roger Roundy, artist to the stars and to the biggest podcast in the world, who has done some dynamite MoFax t-shirts. And and the official logo for the uh, thumbnail. Yes. Um, for, uh, that we use. So yep. just to give him his props. And <clears throat> did you receive uh, anything while you were there? I, re- <laughs> I received a lot of things, Mo. What exactly are you talking about? <laughs> are you talking about something that I specifically would like? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I received all that. Everything's good. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. I w- you know, and people are like, hey, man, is Mo here? I said, I don't know. He could be a, a bald, white Jewish guy. I don't know. I've never seen him. I have no idea who the, the guy is. <laughs> I have no idea, man. Mo. <laughs> Shlomo. Shlomo facts. There you go. Uh, it's, it's, it's real good to talk with you now. But actually, before we start, I got to throw out a sad puppy here for a moment because, you know, we moved the show to every two weeks. We try to stay on schedule. Uh, sometimes, you know, stuff just gets in the way and everyone's really busy. Mo, you know, had to quit his job several months ago. And I convinced him that, you know, this podcast could be his income. Uh, and of course, like a, the smart guy that he is, he has another thing that he's doing while working on all things fax machine, you know, the fax fam, this podcast, all of it. And I just looked at the donations. I just want to say I want everyone to listen really carefully to this show. To the uh, and, you know, and bear in mind, there's uh, 44 clips that have been selected, curated. There's an entire story that's going to be laid out for you. And just ask yourself if that's worth anything to you, and if the work that goes into it is something that you would like to return some value for. So when we get to our donation segment, it'll be short. <laughs> More so, show, more show. For yes, that. yes, more it's show. Crazy. And and, <laughs> and I know I know times are hard for everybody, and we had tax day and everything. But it's got to be said. This is how the model works. If if we're not getting the value back, I know Mo has other things to do. So uh, let's not force him there. Hey, 
<laughs> now so, that the business is out of the way. Yeah, let's, let's spin the wheel for a second. Let's find out what is the topic for MoFax with Adam Curry, episode number 81. Round and round the wheel goes where it stops, nobody knows. But Mo knows where it is. The topic for episode 81 is... And he can never be Tupac. And you can never be Tupac. And he can never be oh, Tupac. Oh, he can never so, be Tupac. <laughs> uh-huh. That okay. was the uh, voice of... I just got to stop. Stop for a minute. You asked me how I was. I'm doing well, but the black men uh, coalition have took a hard L this uh, since we've last spoke. Mr. Yeah. Kevin Samuels uh, passed away, and I want to put much respect on his name. I know he's a very polarizing figure, but, you know, as we do around here, if nothing more, we humanize people. So well, may I, that brother rest in peace. Indeed. And uh, and it was a shock to me because you sent me the the link. Uh, because of course, you know, a black man dying doesn't show up on my Twitter timeline, please. Uh, and I was just like, wow, it was shocking to me because I've watched his stuff a lot. I've always, I've always enjoyed what he has to say. And I think, you know, he has a lot of really valid points and very MoFax, uh, uh, attitude towards things. I understand why he was polarized. Do we know what he passed away from? It was this sudden unexpected. Uh, the official word is not out yet. Um, something concerning his heart. Uh, like I said, it's just that that's that's a hard one right there because what we always talk about independent media, and that's what it allows for different uh, viewpoints. But yeah. that's not what this show is about. But I had to use his voice for the ISO yes. uh, to show much respect, put a lot of respect on his name. Uh, but we got to talk about the Will Smith and uh, <laughs> oh yeah, this is what we've all been waiting Chris for. <laughs> this oh yeah, oh I wish you could see my face now, Mo. You, oh by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh-huh. We tested yesterday. We tested podcasting 2.0 live with video and and mm-hmm. uh, and the boostergrams, which is the like YouTube uh, super chat. We got it. It's it's still bailing wire and gaffer tape and stuff. But Mo, it's working. I actually I streamed myself, which is against all of my principles. I streamed myself uh, live and I did it through StreamYard and everything works. So we're getting very close to being ready for you, uh, my friend. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. You, you see, sound like a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Well, Father. You, YouTube killer is what I'm building for you, Mo. I'm building it, it for you, for nobody else. And for all the people that want to have the freedom of speech. That's, well. that's the big thing because we see what's going on now. But not to belabor it, I know everybody is on pins and needles to get to the episode. But one more thing about um, the Kevin Samuel situation. Yeah. Uh, you got to see real time after show 80 how black ugly black twitter can be or segments of black twitter can be yes indeed and so that was the sad part about it and um i guess we can go ahead and get started and this is uh this is we got to start at the beginning this is will packer talking to tiffany cross uh about the 94th academy awards All right, next Sunday is the 94th Annual Academy Awards, and this year is already bound to be different with three women set to host and the one and only Will Packer, FAMU alum, and big-time Hollywood mogul heading up the Oscars' first ever all-black production team. I am so thrilled and excited to welcome Will Packer. Whoa! How you doing? Hey, I didn't know that. (laughs) What? Uh Uh-huh. The whole production team was quote-unquote black? Except for the host, obviously. I mean, if I got encounter production, but did you catch that? Why we got the clip stop? Three women. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, various hues, but I mean, yeah. we can continue on. All right. Production team, I am so thrilled and excited to welcome Will Packer. How you doing this morning, brother? So happy to have you on the show, and thank you for being here, Tiffany, my friend. How are you? Of course. You kidding me? When you call, I answer. That's how we roll. <laughs> HBCU family in the house. I appreciate you and all you doing. How you feeling? I'm feeling great now that you're sharing the screen with me, and I want to get right into it because there's a lot happening in the world right now. And you know, pulling together a glamorous award show is frequently primed for making political points. One of your co-hosts, Amy Schumer, uh, she suggested Ukraine's president make an appearance. So, uh, President Vladimir Zelensky, uh, so I found that really interesting. One, will we see Zelensky at the Academy Awards? And two, how political do you anticipate this event being? That's a good question. You know, and, and I will tell you, and to her credit, Amy is always somebody who um, wants to push the envelope in a variety of ways. And not that this is particularly envelope pushing, but she is somebody who, not even just with political statements and social impact, but also just in terms of entertainment values, comes in with a ton of really, really great ideas. And so what I would say, I can't reveal anything specific yet, um, but the show's still coming together, still in process, even though it's you know just a week away. Um, it all comes together very, very quickly at the end. What I'll say just kind of overall is that we want the show to be fun and entertaining. I think there are a lot of um, amazing spaces and platforms that are discussing what we all know is a very tumultuous time in the world, and it has been the last couple of years. What I want this to be, Tiffany, is an escape. I really do. I want it to be a celebration. I want it to be a night. The tone of it should be fun and uplifting. Um, and it should also be something that it's not just about just the Hollywood elites. <laughs> well, it was entertaining, maybe not in the way they intended. And pu- and they're pushing envelopes. Yeah, there was there was definitely envelopes to be pushed uh, or um, conversations to be ignited from this event happening. Now, I have to caution people. I've done I've talked about this on several occasions on the YouTube channel, but this is the first time me and you actually talked about it in detail. Mm -hmm. But how you alerted me was. Chris Rock just touched. Did you say Chris Rock no, just touched no. the third rail? Yeah. So, please, please. please. Uh, well, I can probably look it up exactly. But yeah, I think that's what I said is, uh, hold on a second. We have it here. Uh, yeah, Chris Rock just touched the third rail. And I think I said he slapped the crap out of, uh, or Will Smith. Uh, hold on a second. You said Will Smith just bitch slapped Chris Rock. And yeah, that's what I it is. I perceived yeah, that is. was he came up there and said something witty or funny or that way. So right, I looked at my right. phone. I was like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Wow, <laughs> if I was shocked that he took the third rail. But yeah. I mean, that's Chris Rock. So right. it wasn't till later, I think Grump hit me up. I was like, did you see the video? And I was like, of what? And, and the world had, <laughs> had exploded. So it was just funny how I, when you said that, I took it as the last thing it would be would actually be phys- physical. physical violence. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, just one thing about Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought she was pretty good. Uh, she made me laugh a couple times. I, and I was like, oh, that's interesting because I'm not an Amy Schumer fan. And mm-hmm. moreover, not a fan because I heard, uh, I think I can say this, that Joe Rogan told me that comedians hate her because she's a joke stealer. And that's like the lowest thing. That's you can the be lowest in the, of the lowest. Yeah, you cannot be much industry. worse than that. Yeah, yeah. So f- take that for what it is. I, I and again, I'm not a fan. I like you know she's got very woke, and so I don't like her in in real life. But what she did mm-hmm. was pretty funny. I thought it was okay for for as long as it lasted. It was in, some of it was inappropriate. 
you know, feeling guys up and feeling their butts. Like, okay, since when is that okay in wake in woke world? And it was some of that at the Oscars as well. But I guess now we got to get to because we're gonna talk about Amy Schumer a little bit later, right? Because uh, she plays a this is a weird, a strange role in the Black Oscars, quote unquote Black Oscars. It's <laughs> yeah. like okay, but we'll get there. Now this is after the fact. Will Packers interviewed about the moment that stunned the world. It sounds like Chris Rock had the ability, the option, to have the LAPD go arrest and remove Will Smith from that theater that night. That's an absolute fact. The LAPD made it clear we will do whatever you want us to do. And one of the options is that we will go and arrest him right now. (laughs) Oh, wow! Wow! Will Smith just smacked the out of me. That moment came after what we now know was an unscripted joke from Rock about Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, who's recently been vocal about her battle with alopecia. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? You're sitting, monitors around, you tell me what's in yeah, your so room around you. I'm, I said, watch this, he's going to kill. Because I knew he had an amazing lineup of jokes that we had. We had him in the prompter. Yeah. And ultimately, he did not get to one joke. <laughs> he didn't tell one of the planned jokes. He was just immediately freestyling. But I thought this was part of something that Chris and Will were doing on their own. I thought it was a bit. I thought it was a bit like everybody else. I Not knew we concerned. hadn't practiced it. Not concerned. I wasn't concerned at all. As he's walking. I figured, okay, you know, he's going to say something or come at him. Something funny is going to happen okay. because that's the nature of Chris and that's the nature of Will. So... Let's see what happens. (laughs) That is, yeah, that's true. That's what everybody expected until, of course, we all found, saw quickly that it wasn't a a bit, or at least wasn't supposed to be. It didn't end as a bit. And that's the million dollar question that I've waited so long for the other shooter drop to make this show to have something definitive if it was staged or not. Mm -hmm. Because as you heard Will Packer say, um, he, none, it, he said none of the, pl- the planned jokes. <clears throat> he just came up there fr- um, and just freestyled it, mm-hmm. which is weird, strange to do, but it would fit to leaning to the side of being staged. Now I have to ask you, which side are you on? Was it staged or do you think it was real, real or not? I think it was. Sta- or, are you uns- are you uncertain? I got to give you. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you out. I'll, no, um, I'm. The, what I saw looked like every movie slap I've seen. So these are, it looked to me like two guys who, who definitely had, have trained in the art of making a, a punch or a slap or something look real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what a lot of people saw, uh, or at least it kind of felt that way. It was, you know, and I've, of course, I've watched the video in slow motion. It's very hard to tell. I, I don't know, but that's why it's good. So these guys, uh, either they had rehearsed this or they've rehearsed, they've done this enough to know how it works. And so, you know, just kind of standing in that stance, the, it might have been muscle memory at that point. Actually, just listening to that clip, mm-hmm. uh, let's just listen to it again. All right. Next Sunday is Where the is night. It? And up the Oscars first. Wait, was that it? No, I'm sorry. It was this one. I just wanted to hear that moment again. It sounds like Chris Rock. Go- Where we was will it? do him. Yeah, yeah. Rest, rest him right now. Listen to this. <laughs> oh, 
that sounded like a microphone being hitting and being hit. It doesn't. And that's one of the things. Yes, that's, I'm an audio guy, so I listen to this. I'm like, that doesn't sound like someone got slapped. Let's listen again. <laughs> Oops, a little back. Is that we will go and arrest him right now? <laughs> oh wow! And it just it didn't sound right. It didn't look mm-hmm. right to me. And of course, the only reason why it, what was shocking was not even that. It's like, oh man, maybe these guys just like to slap each other. There's, you know, there's trends on TikTok for that too. Um, but when he started saying, keep my wife's uh, name out of your effing mouth, you know, so that, maybe that part was unscripted. I don't know. But uh, the, that's the weird, because like you said, everything up to the slap, yeah, felt, staged. felt staged. Even this, but the, what was said after the slap, Will's part, he's a, he's a, top you're saying top five actors of all time so i mean that that's easy for him to do what was impressed me if it was acting was uh, chris rock and the way he kind of like lost for words Mm -hmm. and so was it that because when we say staged it could be pre-planned on will's part like if he says anything about jada this is what i'm gonna do Mm. like and not and not be upset about it because he was actually laughing when he first said the joke and it was like Somebody got a teacup out, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and started, you know what I'm saying, stirring it, you know what I'm saying, like, uh, get out, I mean, get out style, and triggered his, like, ML, MK keys. Yes, that's MK what, that, you, you, you even texted me that, said, no, J- Jada holds his MK keys. I'm like, Ooh. oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that set me down a whole rabbit hole. I'm glad we're doing this episode. Right, so where we're going to, I wanted to get that out the way, because now we're going to discuss this solely as if it was staged. Who has the clout to make this call on this stage at mm. this night, the 94th <laughs> right. uh, Academy Awards, the Black Oscars? Let's see what happens. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? Once I saw Will yelling at the stage with such vitriol, my heart dropped. And I just remember thinking, oh, no. Oh, no. Not like this. And Chris was keeping his head when everybody else was losing theirs. But my heart at that point was just in my stomach because of everything about it and what it represented and what it looked like and who was involved. All of that was just, um, I, I never felt so immediately devastated like I did at that moment. But it still wasn't until Rock walked backstage that Packer was finally convinced that Smith had actually struck him. The winners are walking off stage. Chris is with them. And I immediately go up to Chris. And you say what or you do what? And I said, did he really hit you? And he looked at me and he goes, yeah. He goes, I just took a punch from Muhammad Ali, as only Chris can. He was immediately, you know, in in joke mode, but you could tell that he was uh, very much still in shock. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, obviously, Will Packers, I don't think, is in on it. No, it, it's, you know, if, if there was something to be in on, I'd look at all, sorry to say, but I'd look at the producers. Like That's the other producers, okay, yeah. the That's other producers. Like, yeah. let, let me start my see what he has to say about it. He sincerely sounds like because you get. Let me translate some of the things he was saying. All right, he said it in a very political way, like all oh, that sinking feeling. What he's actually saying is 
They let us have the Oscars, they being black people. Yeah. Uh, and this is what happens. Oh, God, no. We're never going to get this, this, uh, this again. Yeah. You, you know what's interesting? Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't know this was the black Oscars. I didn't view it that way. Yeah, certainly not at that point in the show. At no point was I like, oh, man, this is just black people Oscars. Not not for, and I'm sensitive because of this show. Right. And, uh, and, and you know, my, my job in general, so I'm always looking at that. Um, now, at the end, what, at the end of the show, would I have said mm, maybe it was a little skewed in the voting? Maybe, but I didn't get the feel that it was you know the black Oscars as in I didn't even know that it was produced by uh, an entire quote unquote black team. And it wasn't highly touted because I had to go to Tiffany Cross's no disrespect to her show to find you know the pre clips. It wasn't like it was a big press run to say this is the black Oscars. Right. Um, some of the acts, like you said, I think Megan Thee Stallion performed. Yeah, that was kind of weird and like out of place. Like, okay, um, but <laughs> we've seen uh, Three yeah. Six Mafia, I think, performed as well. So, I mean, we've seen this before. Uh, but there's a reason behind this being at the Black Oscar, so we can get to it. You want to say something? No, no, no. That's good. I'm, I'm all ears. Did we stop at four? I think we're on five. Yeah, now, we're right? on five. Yeah, here we go. Okay, I made that clear. Like, Rock, you tell me whatever you want to do, brother. And he was telling me. I'm fine. Let's just get past this. I'm getting out of here. I can't believe this happened. The LAPD came and needed to talk to Chris. And so they came into my office and they were laying out very clearly what Chris's rights were. And they were saying, this is battery. We will go get him. We are prepared. We're prepared to get him right now. You can press charges. We can arrest him. As they were talking, Chris was, um, he was being very dismissive of those options. He was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. He was like, no, no, no. And even to the point where I said, I said, Rock, let him, let him finish. And they said, you know, would you like us to take any action? And he said, no. He said, no. Yeah, I, that's interesting by itself. You know, he he really hasn't made a statement. He took no action. He's been kind of quiet. That's that that's all very um, unexpected. I think it is for me. It was expected because the less he talks about it, I think it helps in a couple of ways. One, when he actually does talk about it. Like in an actual stand up form. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be blocked. Yeah. I mean Netflix Yeah, you <laughs> right. Netflix yeah. on the phone yeah. right now. Like <laughs> You're uh, so just right. send over yeah. the blank check, you know, that kind of, mm-hmm. and two, I think if this was set up, let's be clear, we're we're going down the hoax rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. So I think the people that did possibly that could have set this up wanted him to get Will Smith arrested to make him even seem like a bigger sellout than they oh. already think he is. Oh, that's like, a good yeah, point. Yeah. It's a win-win. I mean, you take <laughs> Black Oscars, you take Will Smith out of handcuffs because Chris Rock snitched. That I mean, that totally, you know, that's even a bigger story. And I think yeah. Will Packer was, I'm sure he was in that room like, please, don't make it any bigger <laughs> scene than it is. So, yeah, good point. Good point. It, it's beneficial for everybody to keep this quiet. So now we have the smack. So now we got to go f- listen to amy schumer how she's was traumatized mm-hmm. by by the slapping did i miss anything <laughs> there's like a different vibe in here 
Amy Schumer shocked and confused like the rest of us. Shortly after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock during the Oscars. <laughs> now the 40-year-old comedian who emceed the big night is weighing in, admitting she is still triggered and traumatized by the whole thing. Just a little refresher. Guys, I'm a huge star. Look at me. I'm at the Oscars. You are! Can you believe it? Amy co-hosted the 2022 Academy Awards alongside Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes, and the ladies brought the funny. Getting to do this with Regina and Wanda, they are such heroes of mine. They are comedy royalty. We've been having so much fun. I have enjoyed every second of getting ready with these ladies. But it was this joke made by Chris Rock that had everyone talking. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> okay, so it wasn't the joke that had everyone talking. It was Jada Pinkett Smith's husband, Will Smith's reaction to the joke that had everyone talking. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. Well, on Tuesday, Amy weighed in on Instagram, saying that her friend Chris handled it like a pro. She calls the whole thing so disturbing and writes that she's still in shock and stunned and sad. She even specifically calls out the pain she saw in Will. Quote, waiting for this sickening feeling to go away from what we all witnessed. <laughs> oh, wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. <laughs> Just one one thing, uh -huh. since, you know, this is what our show is about. And it's not even because of this show. At no point when that when this happened did I think, wow, man, see, black guys can't keep it together. I did. I, I know you did. <laughs> and I know you did. And that's why I'm bringing it up. I just want you to know mm -hmm. that I do not believe that is typical non-black thinking at that moment. Maybe later the suggestion comes from Twitter or something, but it, it and I I'm very aware of my thinking in these things. It, it it didn't didn't cross my mind at all. I'm just saying that so you know, mm -hmm. uh, because I also know that that's exactly what you thought. You're like, holy crap, this does well, not help. It's the it's two things. One is due to what W. E. B. Du Bois called the double consciousness of black people. One, we know how we perceive ourselves, and two, we know how we are perceived. And I liken that to you wearing, going back just for a minute, you not wearing a mask for the first time during peak COVID. I'm with you. I'm with you. You you knew how you felt, but then you could, I guess, empathize or put yourself in the other person's shoes to say, I know how I'm being perceived by them not wearing a mask. However, so it's the, it's, yes, yeah, however, however, mm -hmm. yes, if, if this was set up and known and publicized as the first black Oscars, like a pandemic was the first pandemic. Now, um, it's very different with masking than mm -hmm. not masking because it's a little, you know, it's more normalized. It's also normalized to not have a mask on. So there's there's That's why a, I said peak peak COVID. That's why I made that I'm saying that um Okay specific peak, point of peak okay. when you first walked into that grocery store. Yes. Yes. And that first that first brave moment. You know, no, and, 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 and I know and I know this, Mo, because that's mm -hmm. that's because I had something uh uh my 
exterior showed something different, such as your. But hold on, bear with me. Your exterior shows black man. My exterior shows white man. Mm-hmm. Uh, my point is, is that these were two superstar comedians, not black men. In and I believe that to be true initially at peak Oscar moment. That, mm-hmm. that most white people did not see that the way you saw it either. Now you, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah, no. Yeah, but, so, but, that, but, but that's different because what you knew was, and and this I agree with you with. Of course, what you knew is this is going to have repercussions. It wasn't. That's why I said specifically at that moment, I wasn't thinking that way. I don't think the majority of non-black people were thinking that way. Non-colored people. Let's just say mm-hmm. it. Um, but. You knew that that was going to come, and, uh, and and this issue would come, and that would, of course, come from the black community itself. But it was a weird situation because, like Amy Schumer, she didn't want to, she wanted to be supportive for Chris Rock, uh, okay. but not demonizing a wheel, because that's why she said, I could feel Will's pain. Like, yeah. basically, and, and for, I think, for women, more specifically, feminist Mm -hmm. it was one it was a it was a uh awkward position to be put in to say oh oh, violence is okay and a woman a man should take up for his woman that kind of thing so yeah that's a whole other aspect to it you're absolutely right i forgot about that that was that was a huge aspect yes so i I, when i was just this my perception of it i knew every (laughs) Every angle was going to be ran, but my first thing, my first, I mean, this is my first thought. I got to get to you. Mm. Then I turned the Oscars to the Source Awards. That was my first thought because the Source Awards was known for fighting. I mean, to the point where it, it was spread to other different awards. And a lot of the fights, beefs were staged to promote people's albums or you know, projects or whatever else. Yeah. It wasn't like any real. So that was my thought. Like, oh, they didn't use this big stage to promote something. Now, let me so it was like, if this wheel have a movie coming out, does Chris have a show <laughs> yeah, coming of out? Course, like, of course, what, what's of the, course. What's the, what's the angle? Well, here was, here's the other thing. And I believe every man who's in a marriage or a relationship did this. Turn mm-hmm. to your wife or woman or birthing person and said, uh, how would you feel if that's, that was my response to this joke? Did you ask uh, Miss Facts about that? Let's listen to Tiffany Haddish's response, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Was would you define tonight as uncomfortable? No, I would define tonight as a success. Okay. <laughs> it was a great night tonight. Okay, what First did you? First of all, I seen a man stand up for his wife, okay. which we don't see that much anymore. Mm-hmm. That made me have hope. How about you? I wanted, How did you feel about it? I wanted your opinion on it because you're a comedian. And so it was that thing where, like, was that joke too far? How did you feel about what Will did? Because you are someone who's done comedy, and yet, like you just said, you saw a man defending his wife. Yeah. yeah. I want to know how you felt about it. Would you want your husband to do that for you if you was clearly hurt? I mean, they put her face up on the screen. He looked over at his wife. She was hurt. What would you want? I would want him to defend me. The only, the thing that made me sad was like this was a big night for Will, and then you saw that emotion for him, and it was like God, it's, it's just I can't. I I don't think I've still processed how this night went. You know. Well, I just know she better take care of business when they get home, because I know I would. If my man did that for me, I'm just saying. Yellow. 
<laughs> did you talk to either of them tonight? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, well, did you tell them how you felt? Oh, they know how I feel. Yes, okay. Oh, they know how, and that's my friends. Yes. They know. Yes. Well, you go way back with them <laughs> to that to, to some of the to girls trip. Yes. 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 Yeah. They know my crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was incredible to watch Will up there. T1. How did you feel watching him give that speech? I felt very proud. Yeah. I felt gratified, and I just hope that more men are like that. They care about their families. Now, it's not just about you, right? It's not just about you, sir. What about your family, the people you create, the people that help you be who you are? That's important. That's what I think America forgot about. Wow. Hmm. Okay. So, and this is right after the Oscars. This is why I played it. This is like <clears throat> one of the first, um, uh, you know, uh, points like put out there. And that was a meme that was pushed. You know, a man standing up for his wife, a man standing up for his wife. Yeah. And that's why I said, yeah. that's why I wanted yeah. to yeah. Wait, yeah. wait until we talked about it on the other side of the clip. Now, are there certain things where I will put my hands on another person or another person? I'm not going to be uh, uh, that specific over my wife. Yeah, there are certain things. There are certain things in, that when you cross that line, when you get back in the car with her mm-hmm. <laughs> or when you uh, that she'll never look at you the same. So there are lines. Is this one of them? I don't, just my opinion, if they were in Hollywood, this is what happens, jokes are told. If it's solely that joke, no. But there's more to it than that joke. Yeah, of course there's more to it, and some of that is known. But my question was, did you discuss it with your wife? No, we actually, like I said, we didn't, We basically we was like, did you see that? Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, and then more of the stage conversation, but my wife already knows like <laughs> that there's certain, yeah, there's, there's certain lines you can cross, but I'll say this because this was, this was a big component of the gender war. See, this thing didn't only cut across the race. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. That's, that's, the, that's why I'm so it, interested in it. Yeah. It's the gender thing too, of should you stand up for a woman was Willa Simp? Uh, did she deserve to be stood up for because the way she's humiliated him in public? All of those things factor into it. So, so here's here, sorry. So uh, of course, I we had this discussion, and mm-hmm. we probably had it after the meme was already launched. And in my mind, already at that point, I had a question which I was going to ask you, which is: uh, Is this more of a Black American thing, standing up for your woman, uh, uh, going to fist fight more uh, more easily? Perhaps I, I don't know if that's true. But th- that meme definitely reached me. It's like, oh well, you know, a black man, black woman, you got to stand up for your woman. That's just that's just what I perceive, not how I think. Right. Because um, uh, that meme was that meme was pushed heavily. Yes, yes, yes. And early. <laughs> you yeah. see what Tiffany had is early. Yeah. So with that in mind, Tina and I were discussing, and we both agreed that hell yeah, I should do something. But it would be either in my in my moment on stage. Where I'd say mm-hmm. something clever and take him down with with a, <clears throat> a swift, uh, sharp words, you know, with the blade. It's, I think that can be very effective. But I certainly would have gone up afterwards and said, "What the hell was that all about, bro?" And now that might come to some kind of altercation. But I'm not one for going for violence if someone does something with words um, and embarrassment. But uh, I guess the point is there was a lot more behind this and this Tiffany Haddish meme. If it 
mm-hmm. truly originated from her, from her own thinking, or was pushed this way, uh, that definitely skewed a lot of the conversation. And that was damage control. Because here's the other thing. It seemed like it caught Jada off guard because in and, 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 and the after effects, she tried to distance herself away from the slap. Yep. Like I didn't, I ain't really want him to do that. I, mean, uh-huh. I didn't really go down that path with this. With also, these I I never saw. I I watched all different angles. I I, I really looked for angles of them, and I didn't see her looking something like, "Man, this hurts me so bad." You got to go up there and whoop his ass. I didn't see it. That the time after the joke. Okay, it's, it's several scenes that were shot, and that's why this is another reason why I dread doing this this audio because. You had to see it, but I'm going to try to uh, illustrate what what was what was said. He said to Joe, "Will laughs." Then he kind of looks over mm-hmm. at Jada. Mm-hmm. Then there's that what transpired between them two and Will heading towards the stage. Those several seconds has never been shown. I've looked on every platform possible. I've looked at every can't find it anywhere. What transpired between her and him to signal to him that he had to go from laughing. So he wasn't uh, initially offended. No. There was something that happened between them two where he felt like he needed to do that. Yeah, and I can't, no one knows the secret signals between two people who have been in a long term Mm -hmm. relationship, but um, I couldn't detect any. I mean, the the only thing that came to my mind is well, yeah, I mean, this guy is so desperate you know okay from my own therapy mm. to me uh will has severe mother issues uh she has taken advantage of this for a long time uh i was in similar relationships with different aspects and by the way no regrets no one's to blame um but uh, my myself certainly i blame myself for for not figuring out my shit earlier in life but that is was a big component because you can have a, a a complex an issue with your mother, and we're all we all get screwed up by our parents somehow, and that can be can fit perfectly like a puzzle piece into uh, perhaps someone who has a personality such as uh, Jada, and that really can just get bad over time. And I say this because and maybe you have this clip later. There's a mm-hmm. clip of her. You know, showing, uh, you know, filming Will in their house or in his kitchen. He's like, hey, you know, don't do this. And and she's just acting like an a-hole to him. And, oh, see, my mom, see, this is exactly why Will sabotages everything. I mean, it, it was mm-hmm. it was bizarre. And that, to me, was like, oh, my God, this is a very dysfunctional relationship. So she may not have had to even, it could have been just a tensing of her left bicep that could have set him off because he so desperately wants to make his mother proud and happy of him. And I don't know if you've seen the two, three videos I've done on YouTube, but I did one way prior to this called A Mother's Wheel, and it talked about uh, he's taken ayahuasca 14 times. Oh, really? Uh, Yes. Uh, Like I said, I didn't didn't want to rehash a lot of stuff. I know a lot of our uh, producers listen to all the different platforms. I didn't want to rehash a bunch of stuff and I will fill it in where I've captured. You are exactly right. He does have mother issues because he said his mother was physically abusive 
towards, I mean, his father was physically abusive towards his mother, mm-hmm. and he felt like he didn't want, he couldn't protect her to the point he was suicidal about it. Okay. So that plays into what you're, t- you're spot on. And it's good that you haven't seen it because you're hitting, you're picking up on all those signs without being. Uh, this you is know, why this show is so genius, Mo. This is no Barack Obama, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen ripoff crap, man. No, you know, this exactly. is the real deal. Two laptops, man. We giving it to the Boston on both. Um, but yeah, so he has all that going on, and let's just stop dancing around it. A lot of people feel that he's she's his handler mm-hmm. uh, in several ways, and in the clip that you you talk about that I don't have in here because I didn't really get into their the inner workings of their relationship too much, but I think there's an underrated thing I am going to get to, but in that clip, he said she wanted to kind of ambush him to get some promo for this doctor that promotes, um, what's it called? Um, uh, Open marriages. (laughs) Yeah. Esther, I forget her last name, Esther, what that Pearl, I think or something like that. But anyway, he was uh she he was like no I'm not gonna don't ambush me like that, and he said something and it was very telling to me. He said, "You know, social media is yes, my bread, bread and, and butter. butter right now." Yes, and but, I and I was like, "What? What? What do you mean? What? This guy's one of the biggest movie stars in the business, or is, is he?" Doom, 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 doom. Think about it. What what uh, movie has blockbuster has Will been in? It's several Independ- Netflix Indep- videos. Independence Day. I'm talking about recently. See, and this is this thing. I mean, this is where like it's, it's so many things, man. I, I struggle with making this show. <laughs> it was like because it's, there's the theme of when a man is old or too old, he's not a young man anymore, so he can't play the young man roles, and he's not uh, Morgan Freeman yet. To play the old magical Negro roles, which Hollywood... <laughs> no, seriously, no. That's not a joke. That's an archetype that they want the older guys to play. Um, and he doesn't He he doesn't have a footing in Hollywood because he's not the young Independence Day okay. actor anymore. All right, all right, all right. So, yeah. of course, what was the most recent? So, King Richard was, of course, this was... This was the big. It wasn't a blockbuster, as far as I know. No, no, no. But he was handpicked for this role. I yeah, mean, yeah. by Serena and Venus. Yeah. Before, before that, it was I guess Men in Black, right? It was the last, the last that big series one dried up. It's dried up. Well, of course, you've had three, so so that's done. Okay, so so he's been in basically in a ten year lull. Does that make sense? If we just we, look at the, said, yeah, and and I'm not to not Will Smith. What I'm saying is it's Hollywood. That's how it works. If somebody says that. I, you know, social media is my bread and butter. That was sad. And what I heard there was, I'm not giving away promotion for free to her. This is how I yes. make my money now because them Hollywood checks are not rolling in anymore. But how does he make his money with social media? Because I, I see his social media. It's it's funny. You know, his his Instagrams are cute and he's, he's riffing off his family and I stuff. I guess ad- Maybe Instagram pays him to place ads on his channel. I mean, I don't know how that yeah. you could be monetized on Instagram. Well, I got like I got to tell you, if if he's worried, he can only be worried about having work because when he says bread and butter, that insinuates that it's a financial thing. I, that's hard for me to imagine. Is it? If you're yes, spending it like you're it making is. it. Well, there's another clip. Like you, you put me in a bad spot because now I got to tell you about another clip. Okay, there's another clip where he comes home and basically. Jada shoots the Red Table Talks in their house. Yeah. So their house is basically 
uh, production stage now. Mm-hmm. Another thing, like she, she might be, you know, bringing in a significant amount of income to pair with. I'm, this is all speculation. We don't know. We're not their yeah. accountants. But when he said bread and butter, that was like that was a that was the most I, I, everything else that relationship. I was like, hold on, bread and butter. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> bread and butter. Like, and that goes to show you why she has to kind of for lack of a better word, pimp out the family on the red table talk. She has to keep even him. She brought him up in there and embarrassed him about being a cuckold, basically. Let me tell you one other personal story. And I understand part of this as well. When So I had I had a big business problem in the Netherlands around 2000, around 99, 2000. A partner of mine turned out to be a, a crook. And he, I knew him. He was a friend for, for seven years. He had an assumed identity, all kinds of crap. And uh, when everything started to fall apart, there was you know, we had businesses together, investments together. All of that got locked up by the law. So I, in essence, had no money. I couldn't. I could not access my money. It's mm-hmm. kind of irritating, <laughs> and you know, because it was just court cases, and, and it all got solved later. And you know, I was, of course, exonerated. But you know, the pain and the and and just the embarrassment and all the stuff that's going on, and. In order to make money for my family, guess what I did? I, what, <laughs> it's a it's a joke there. But, uh, <laughs> no, the joke. The, hey, Adam, this is my wife, uh, no, Cindy. No, uh, no, 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 close, <laughs> but no. I started the Adams Family reality show, and I sold it to a TV uh, broadcaster. Of all the things you thought, it wasn't that, was it? Okay. Um, and that got us through. And I sat down with my daughter and my wife. I said, "Look, here's how we're going to do it. Uh, we can do this. You know, we are we are exceptional at this kind of stuff because, of course, you know, it's it's anything but true reality. It's really us, but you know, mm-hmm. we we have our filters. We know how to do this uh, since we've been around media so much. But it was 100 percent." Not because I wanted to show my family, because I had I was out of options. So we made a reality show. So th- this fits into your theory that this red table, it's based if especially if it's in your house, that you're a reality show, and that's that's the way I've seen that thing, and that's what they're doing. So that does add credence to the theory that they are doing this to make money. She's doing that. Will does his thing. It is kind of sad if, if you know, because he had to have had some good deals in there, certainly on even on residuals. So then, once again, but if you're spending, if you're spending it, like it, you make yeah, it, yeah, and then you have a few dry years. Mm-hmm. If you don't change your lifestyle, well, then, you know what I'm saying, it just speeds up the process, and that's the yeah, thing. Like yeah. they can't afford. They're black royalty. They're black boule royalty. I mean, yeah, you're going to hear this later on. It's right. You, you can't, can't afford yeah, to you can't, go backwards. You can't be caught flying a coach. You can't be caught flying first class. You should be flying. Right. You got to be flying uh, private. Otherwise, you're not royalty. It's totally true. Totally part and, of the deal. And to give you another scenario before, so we can get, jump back into the clips. Remember Meghan Markle and speaking <laughs> of another cook, uh, uh, Harry. Yeah, they went for the had, Netflix they, deal. They had no, but remember they had to go live in uh, Tyler Perry's home and oh, live with right. rich friends. Right. Like when you're that right. cash flow, cash flow is different from wealth. Wealth, yeah. You don't, yep. yeah, you don't have that liquid. Yeah, it's like we can't go live. We can't go live in a you know a single family home. You know we ha- we have heirs to keep up, and, I, and I'm just stressing that point because that bread and butter. I, I was gonna put it in here, but it didn't kind of fit because I'm going somewhere else with it. But 
I'm glad you brought that up. I appreciate that. All um, right. That All bread right. and butter thing was like, ugh. Yeah. And so what now, will? <laughs> so now to reward me, you're going to make me play a clip by Toure. I mean, this is not a reward, uh, Mo. Well, you're hurting Toure me now. and Jason Jackson. <laughs> you're you're uh, hurting me now. This is painful. Du- <laughs> double trouble. <laughs> double trouble. All right. But they're going to unpack toxic masculinity. I can't say that I would have done something different. You can make jokes about me all day long, and I'm going to take it. Because Regina Hall earlier in the show made a joke about, y'all got an open marriage. Will, why don't you come up here and let's talk about that? That's about Will, right? Like, you could joke about me, but a joke about my wife and her body, my mama, my kids... Now you've gone too far, Mama. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I can't, I can't roll with that. And I noticed too, Chris Rock of all people made a documentary called Good Hair, <laughs> which was extraordinary. Which he made because of his daughter's feelings about their hair as they were coming into being teenagers. So yeah. he's intimately aware of black women's hair issues. And even still, he thought it was okay to make fun of a black woman not having hair in front of the entire world. I don't think that it matters that Rock didn't know she has alopecia. Mm -hmm. A joke that is specifically based on a woman's physical, a specific woman's physical appearance is probably wrong, is dangerous, is probably going to rub people the wrong way. And you notice in the room, the room was definitely not like, yay, good joke. The room was like, whoa, that joke was not cool. <laughs> I don't, I disagree. That's the third rail. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it, that's what that room was saying. Like, like that. And, 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 and that was my initial reaction because, you know, because of, of our work together, that's why I said, oh, man. He just touched the third rail. I'm like, that's interesting. Um, and one other question for you. Mm-hmm. Now, this this doesn't work. Uh, I'm only talking about men to men. White men mm-hmm. to white when men, uh, and certainly in certain states, uh, New Jersey is where I spent the most time, but I see it here in Texas too. You know, we all have some physical or we all have something messed up, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe someone's got a limp, someone's got a hump, someone's got uh, ticks, you know, but we call each other usually by our nicknames, which are really cruel, like, hey, cripple, hey, baldy, you know, and, and we're cool with it. Mm-hmm. Is this the same with black men? Nicknames are not, you can't self-nickname yourself, or very rarely can you no, self-nickname no, no, yourself. No, not, so. not self-nickname, but if someone comes up and says, hey, cripple, hey, shorty, hey, baldy, whatever, then that's cool, right? That's the point I'm getting to. Mm. Oh, if I see. Your what you're ni- if it's your nickname, uh-huh. like if you got Buck T, hey Bucky, you know what I'm saying? Or you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of common when it's like dark skin, they call them black smoke. Right. right. Uh, smoke. If, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or like if you light skin, it's red. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, what, right. you got different names, like uh, a big, like a uh, great point of the dude from Friday, Tiny. Uh, I think Le- less than less right. than. Yeah, uh, yeah, Debo. Then we already know his real name, Debo. You know what I'm saying? Hey, like, don't don't even know the real name anymore. Tiny. Yeah. Or or you call a little guy a big man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that yeah. kind of thing. Okay. So uh, because they it's all common, but it has to be right. But so so GI Jane. I mean, it starts somewhere, right? Someone says, "Hey, man, I'm going to call you Red. I'm going to call you Smoke. I'm going to call you GI Jane." Now, the Oscar mm-hmm. Sage, maybe not most appropriate place. I'm just thinking, it's like everyone knows each other. I mean, GI Jane. It it's also kind of. I mean, personally, I've been called a lot of things for my hair. I'm not a black woman. 
but uh, but I play one on the radio sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking like that's not even negative. Demi Moore was hot in you, that what? movie. You said huh? huh? No, because it's the, it's no. It doesn't matter. You can't say anything about the third rail. Yeah, yeah, Over yeah. these years. Yeah, I know. I know. I got you. I got you. you I've that's learned. the third rail of all third rail. Like, that would be... I'm conquering them one at a time. You know what I'm saying? We're knocking them down. But, like, like even he made the movie about... The good hair movie. But now we have to go back to... It wasn't about the joke. Because Will laughed about it. Yeah. It was how the joke was received. Now, going back to his ayahuasca use. He said he met a woman there named Mother Goddess mm-hmm. or Mother. Mm-hmm. And she like gives him comfort, whatever. So that goes into the mother issues. Now, on the alopecia side of it, I've watched several videos of doctors, of doctors with alopecia themselves, mm-hmm. say that they don't think uh, um, Jada has alopecia because you shouldn't have follicles left. Right. I, um. Now, what she does have is a large scar in the top of her head. Some people say that's due to surgery, facelift, that kind of thing. Yeah, where they or put the it chip could be in. where they... I, I, you took stuff. <laughs> put the chip in there. Yeah. It's big enough for a floppy. You know what I'm saying? Like a 3.5. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it goes right in there. So, and let me no. say, Let me say one other thing. When it comes to ayahuasca, I have not done ayahuasca. I have done DMT twice, which to me is... It's the ayahuasca without the puking for 24 hours. Okay. And, but it's the, 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 what you're doing, I mean, cause with ayahuasca, you're, you're gorging yourself. And so you're, you know, you're, that's how you purge. But the DMT itself, this is very suspicious that he met the, this is not, DMT is well documented. It's really well documented. Pixies, um, things coming to life. Yeah. Some mother figure, what 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 do you call it? Mother goddess, mother now, goddess. Said, it's a, it's a you want to look it up. New York Post article. We're saying we can talk about it on the other side of the clip, but it says Will Smith takes uh, ayahuasca fourteen times. And like I said, I did this show two months prior to the slap because when I heard that, and this was during the rollout of his book Will, they were stressing the drama. He was having. Weight gain problems, 20 pounds overweight, which made him depressed. Uh, he was going through the whole thing of him being basically publicly cuckold by a younger man, his wife, bring him on yes. red table talk. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And, and that was the, if you do what you do, you know what I mean, like, if they're cool with it, I'm cool with it. But the way she brought him up there, it was like, Will, we got to do this special. Facebook has big numbers on the table. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, <laughs> that, that, that's how I looked at it. Like, because you're not going to take me on the red table talk. And, and the way she was smiling about August Alcina, the way he made her feel, and that was her son's friend. Like I said, we it's, it's five shows I could have made on this. Yeah. Like, just to let you know, Tiffany Haddish and Chris Rock does ayahuasca. I don't know. Use it cha or ka? I don't ka, care. Ka, yeah, ka. Ka. So they take this stuff out at David Chappelle's farm. So it's like I said, it's so many rabbit holes. It's like, is this the new LSD? Wait a minute. Or MK Ultra? What? Go, we, yeah, we're going there today. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I, I like going there. <laughs> but this is good because I have some experience in this area. Mm-hmm. Mm, I believe that... <laughs> Go ahead. And I've only done DMT twice. And... 
oh, this is very interesting because I've been I've been reading a lot about how smell influences people, uh, mm-hmm. and can and can be an instant can take you somewhere in an instant. You know, if you close your eyes, you think. Remember what fresh grass smells like? Boom! You're some. Yep. You yep. immediately have that picture somewhere. You're smelling the fresh grass. I um, get that playing football. DMT. Every fall. Yeah. Well, there you go. DMT. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one, Mo. I like that. Uh, I, I'm not because I've never done ayahuasca. So DMT, you smoke, and that smell. I guarantee you, if I smell that anywhere, I can be transported right back to where I was when I did DMT. If mm-hmm. I did DMT a lot, I think it would possibly bring back a um uh, anything that i had uh, experienced during that i've never had a bad dmt d trip they're not they're not so they're not very typical mm-hmm. um dmt this is so good dmt is one of the because mo- you know when you die you actually create dmt your, your body creates it it's part of how your passing process so this has been studied a lot and it would not surprise me if you can put suggestive things into someone's brain and trigger them with a DMT recall, I'm I'm, Hello, you, I'm just using terms. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. No, I, hey, this again. This is why we're friends. This, this is we would do this shit even if we weren't doing a show. We talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. You now you talk about talk because it's like all these people just in play. All of a sudden, I have Dave. Taking, so they're doing this at Dave Chappelle's ranch, man. Yes. Are you kidding me? Oh man. Because when, and like I said, we got to get through the show, but when Tiffany had his shave our hair off, uh-huh. Chris Rock went on uh, Ellen's show and was like, nah, she was taking shrooms and drinking, you know what I'm saying? They call it the mushroom tea. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. don't know if it's cold word for ayahuasca or what, but you know. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So they were out there and then she comes back and shaves her head off Britney Spears, uh, Spears style. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? A lot of them camera. So. Which that's we I could have went down the alopecia saying rabbit hole or what's going on here? Do we have to do a melange from Black Panther? But what's all these ball people popping up all over the place? But yeah, so like I said, it's so many. But since we're talking about black uh, uh, toxic masculinity, I had to bring Mr. Samuels in, and I gotta say, this is the first clip I ever played of his on our show, and. But I've talked about sign language from him, you know, saying his impact. But we talked about black Twitter last time. The black quote unquote manosphere is the place where you get exiled to from black Twitter. Right. Because like the thinking, like the more, you know, conservative thinking, uh independent, non democratic thinking, uh masculine center, you know, it was kinda like I wouldn't want to put MGTOW on it, but it was like the red pill kind of ideology. It was the outcast. Like, you, this is so, this is the king, uh, Kevin Samuels, and he uh, talks about the Will Smith uh, slap. You got black women and black men co-signing this. Black men, I want you to be clear. If you are running out defending this bullshit, <laughs> you need your head checked. Pounding your chest, jumping out of the window, defending this Captain Save them kind of stuff ain't going to get you any brownie points. What the fuck are we doing, man? I am tired of no matter where a man, black man gets to, we got to assert ourselves physically or fucking. 
I reject that is our only way to affirm ourselves. I'm tired of that shit with black men, for black men. No matter how you get, you can have a CEO, you can have Reginald Lewis, you can have Robert Smith and, and, and Byron Allen and Damon John and, 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 and Jay Prince and Master P. And y'all expect that these dudes get into a disagreement that they supposed to shoot the fairway. Man, fuck that shit. We're <laughs> supposed to fight it and fuck it out. No, black men are not primitive. This is not 2001, a space odyssey. We have other ways of expressing our discontent and displeasure with one another other than fighting. I agree. And anybody who supports this shit and says you for black men, for black men's betterment, evolution, improvement, black male media, black male image, and you support this, I question your support. Well, that guy's clearly toxic male. Exactly. That, but that's why and I always stress black YouTube, quote unquote, is a far better uh spectrum of black thought compared to black Twitter. Because you get you're saying you get a wide variety of in between the two poles. Whereas black Twitter, the algorithm is so um constraint constraining that you only get the woke uh, ideology. So I, I wanted to bring that in. Now, what Kevin Samuels just said, I agree with a lot of it because it's like this. Is what I was saying about, oh no, that's what Will Pack was saying. Oh no, we've we're trying to reimage ourselves, and not like like not that it's needed, but what the mass media does is take a very small minority and make it the problem. I'll show this politically. Every time you hear a politician talk, it's like, we got to do something about uh, crime and, you know what I'm saying, reform and this kind of thing. Like, when you look at how many criminals it actually is compared to how many dudes is doing good, it's very, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's a huge disparity there. But the way the memes are written is to make sure we stay on the bottom. And I think this was, in my opinion, when I first heard this happen, I think this was, if it was staged, it was staged to put us back on the bottom and in a subservient, sacrificial mode that they want, they, capital they, wants to keep us in. Well, they, in this case, were the uh, female producers of the show. I'm just saying, I mean, it was a lot, it was a lot of pre-canned, <laughs> uh, even down to Pfizer, alopecia drugs. Yeah. They ran with the whole alopecia thing. They <laughs> ran with fun. the whole defending his honor, her honor. This is what we were supposed to do. And the thing was, this is two of the most quote unquote nonviolent or it's nonviolent seeming black men in America. Yeah. That do this. That's that's why I think it was a if it was staged, that was the purpose of it to uh maybe on a surface level to get ratings, but no so, to to condemn the image of the black man so and i'm just i may be jumping ahead tell me if i need the goggles i'll tell you if you need the goggles. um so we're already figuring out that will smith possibly had multiple reasons he felt he had to do this one Mm -hmm. of them being finance how about rock he seems to be doing okay i don't think chris rock was in on it that's that that's the thing was Mm. when we say staged 
you can have something that's pre-planned. Like, I know he's going to say something, you know, to Jada or whatever else. I don't think Will Smith, Chris Rock, sat in a room was like, hey, this is the plan. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was, I think Chris thought Will was going to come up, do something funny, maybe grab my head, give him a noogie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That kind of mm-hmm. thing. And like that. So it was like, all right, I'm going to go along with this. You know what I'm saying? With the, he's a professional. Did you, did you notice how when he got slapped that he mm-hmm. his hand never had that automatic to the face thing? So right. If, if he so, actually put his hand behind the back, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, if someone hits you in the face, I think your first just, I mean, human response is to put a hand up to it. You know, like, oh, shit. And that didn't happen. Maybe, that was Maybe very, he didn't hit his face. I mean, like you said, you yeah. sound like he said he hit the microphone. So, like, yeah. yeah. So maybe Will sold it like, okay, I'm going to smack him. I know how to hit the mic, get a good sound out of it. Because that sound was very crucial mm-hmm. to it as well. It was like that poof. You know what I'm saying? They kept playing in the ads. I mean, not in the ads, excuse me, in the uh, in the clips. clips. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's just... All right. That's my thing. It's just, I think that they, um, if staged, it wasn't for Will's benefit. It wasn't for uh, Chris Rock's benefit. And I don't think both of them were in on it. Um, I think it could appear that way because Chris is a trained actor. He knows, like, okay, you're approaching me. We're going to do something physical, you know, that kind of thing. Even Will kind of smiled when he walked off. Yeah. It wasn't an anger. Well, no, 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 no. What I saw, I saw Will Smith playing a role walking back. Mm-hmm. It, You know, that's swagger. That's bad boys. That's men in black. That's Will, Will Smith, the actor swagger. That's not Will Smith, the person. Right. And since we're talking about suggestive mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, ideas mm-hmm. being planted, mm-hmm. King Richard was known for being, you know, protective over Venus and Serena. Oh, yeah. So and, could and, and he be in the method acting role of 100%. King Richard? 100%. You bet. Okay. So so we agreed on that. So, mm-hmm. all right. So you're still with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So now we got to get into the drama behind Will, Jada, and Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Down to the timeline leading up to the Oscar slap. Will and Chris go way back and first worked together nearly 30 years ago. Now, which one of you handsome men is Big Willie? In 1995, Chris was a guest star on The Fresh Prince playing Will's blind date, Jasmine. I hear they have nude beaches. In 1999, Chris and Will reunited at the premiere of The Matrix. A lot of action. Can you fight? Uh, I can fight in the movies very well. Out here in the street, no. Who could kick whose butt? Everybody thinks he's apple pie. Do not get it twisted, all right? Uh-uh. No, no, no. No, I just, uh, just try to make sure my honey's taken care of. Six years later, in 2005, Jada and Chris were the ones cast together in Madagascar. Let's not talk about that. Woo! Okay, Chris. All right, now. The two appeared to be on good terms while doing press and even presented Will with a Kids' Choice Award. Hmm. Have you ever seen that episode of Will Smith with Chris Rock? No, I have not. Okay, in it, I'm going to give you the imagery. Chris Rock plays two roles. He plays kind of himself in a cameo. His guy's name Maurice something. Uh, and his uh, uh, Will's uh, cousin Hillary is um, is a daytime talk show host, I believe. And she wants to in- interview him and impress him. And the deal was Will wants to work for Hillary. And doing so, he agrees to take out Chris Rock's character's cousin, uh, Jasmine, who mm-hmm. is Chris Rock in drag. <laughs> 
<laughs> the ultimate for a black man. <laughs> the black man, but it goes further. And you're talking about MK Ultra. Blonde wig, ruby red lipstick like Marilyn Monroe, and leopard skin dress. I kid you not. Jeez. So I was like, that's very interesting on the on the MK uh Yes uh uh, uh tip. And, yeah, on the MK Ultra tip. And then them their past history uh between Jada and Chris, we don't know what transpired on the set of Madagascar with them two working together. So there there there's a lot of uh lot of drama there, but I think we stopped it. Let's go ahead and go and listen to uh Chris Rock going on a date with Will. <laughs> okay. Promise me you'll be on your best behavior tonight. Hey, aren't I always? Will, I'm serious. It's really important that Maurice appear on my show. Everything has to go smoothly with his sister tonight. I know, really, all kidding aside, Hill, I know how much this means to you, and it means a lot to me, too. I'm not going to let you down. Okay, <laughs> thank you. May I present Miss Jasmine Perry? <laughs> now, which one of you handsome men is Big Willie? <laughs> he is! <laughs> to get my freak on. Looks like you already got it on. <laughs> Listen, uh, you, you wouldn't want to go someplace, you know, that was a little quieter, you know, maybe darker. That's a little ahead of me, Big Willie, but I'm game. Let's do this. <laughs> you, you know what? Uh, on second thought, I think this place will be just fine. <laughs> Man. Freak out. Uh, right. <laughs> So that's that's them airing together, and their history goes back further than that because Chris Rock presented Will Smith with his first Grammy. So that like they know know each other. This is not uh, just some random occurrence between the two. Right. So now we now we can get back to more of the behind on uh, Will, Jada, and Chris. Nothing but love, y'all. Then came 2016, when then-host Chris skewered Jada for boycotting the Oscars. Jada says she's not coming. Protesting. I'm like, is she on a TV show? It's also not fair that Will was paid $20 million for Wild Wild West, okay? <laughs> Any thoughts on that? I'm Chris Rock. Hey, look, that comes with the territory, but we got to keep it moving. And throughout it all, Will and Jada always had each other's backs. Jada and I have, you know, we weathered some storms. We have found so much happiness in our union yeah. in a way that's very different than most. No doubt their 24-year marriage is unconventional. Jada calls Will her life partner, not husband. They have also faced rumors of having an open marriage. So you're getting divorced again. Am I? No and I don't ring. have a ring on? Oh, it must be true. Basically, they're like, oh, well, he has an open relationship. That's, that's not exactly it. The pact that we have made to one another is that I will deliver myself to her happy, and she will deliver herself to me happy. Yeah, yeah. These <clears throat> these kinds of deals don't work out. No, because because somebody gonna make your woman smile like you can't make her smile, and then you're gonna be frowning. Yeah. So I mean, there, there's that, and I think this is what happened uh, with the whole August Alcina thing. But I don't want to go down that road too far. I want to talk more about the what was said at the Oscars 2016. Just to foreshadow a little bit, that was the Oscars so white. Yes. Yeah, the hashtag. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Yes. 
that put uh, Chris in an awkward position for Jada to say and, and Will and hashtag to say we're boycotting the Oscars uh, because it was like Chris you're not going to boycott with us so now it makes him look like a sellout mm-hmm. and I think he felt some kind of way like hey this is my big break a big chance I mean like to, you know, to uh, host the Oscars is a big deal on your on your resume I mean, like a checklist probably for comedians you know yes <laughs> to, 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 yeah so he's like why y'all gonna do it when I'm hosting like can't they wait the next year so that go <laughs> yeah. now let's go back to him calling the cops if he calls the cops after doing this it really makes him look like the sellout yeah that was that was a non-starting option for him he could not do, Will Smith taken out on cuffs Mm-mm, because no. uh, Chris Rock pulled a Takashi six nine. Oh no, that can that cannot happen. So uh, hold on, yeah, Takashi six nine. Yeah, that's the rainbow headed kid that rapped or snitched on all the rappers in New York. Oh, so I mean, <laughs> so you, you can't you. <laughs> if if you'd have done that, you just a mat. This would have been a ten times bigger story if that happened. And I'm sure the people that war game this like, when if Will gets arrested, uh, that's even better. Like, yes, mm-hmm. like that. So that's why it, like Chris was totally dismissive of the idea because he knew how it would be played. So I think it's well played by him staying quiet and let the media talk for him and let the public talk for him. So uh, let's go ahead and I have the clip where Jada comes out and she speaks on the Oscar so white. Um, I think she was employed to do it, but we'll get there later. Um, with this hashtag that was going around, but this is her speaking on uh, the 2016 Oscars. Hi, today is Martin Luther King's birthday. And I Wait, can't stop. help but ask the question. Martin Luther King, remember that trigger? Like, that's, that's yeah. when you pull that? <laughs> Set that's up. the big joker. Set up. Boom, you, right that's there. That's the big joker. Right, yeah, right, so, right. all right, continue on. Hi, today is Martin Luther King's birthday. And I can't help but ask the question. Is it time that people of color recognize how much power, influence that we have amassed, that we no longer need to ask to be invited anywhere? I ask the question, have we now come to a new time and place where we recognize that we can no longer beg for the love, acknowledgement, or respect of any group, then maybe it's time that we recognize that if we love and respect and acknowledge ourselves in the way in which we are asking others to do, that that is the place of true power. I'm simply asking the question. Here's what I believe. The Academy has the right to acknowledge whomever they choose, to invite whomever they choose. And now I think that it's our responsibility now to make the change. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so people say she did this because Will didn't get nominated for uh, his role, I think, in Concussion, I think it was called. The movie, the NFL movie, yeah, so uh, about what, CTE. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why they say she did this. But as we talked about before, the same people that did Oscar So White 
April Rain, and we're gonna get to her momentarily. Yes, uh, also Miss was April one, Rain. Yes. yes, she was the same one behind uh, "She Will Rise." Mm-hmm. The hashtag that you're saying popularized. Well, this the, is her actual black. job. Her job is a media strategist. This is what she does for a living. She, she's a she's a meme master mm-hmm. is what she i mean it has to i mean that's what it's all about mm-hmm. and these people have a lot of influence i have to ask the question did she get jada was she co-opted into it like hey we need a face for this um jada can you go out and push this because as we're gonna hear a little bit later i don't think will was fully on board with her tactics It's, just, it's a house divided over there in the yeah, same house because yeah. they're, they're not on the same, no, not this, on the same page on no, a lot of things. No, no, no. All right, part two of this. Yes, please. Maybe it is time that we pull back our resources and we put them back into our communities, into our programs, and we make programs for ourselves that acknowledge us in ways that we see fit that are just as good as the so-called mainstream ones. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Begging for acknowledgement or even asking diminishes dignity and diminishes power. And we are a dignified people and we are powerful. And let's not forget it. So let's let the Academy do that with all grace and love, and let's do us differently. I got nothing but love. Hey, Chris, I will not be at the Academy Awards, and I won't be watching, but I can't think of a better man to do the job at hand this year than you, my friend. Good luck. And to the rest of you, nothing but love, always. That was shade at the end. Yeah, that's true. Listen was. to how she phrased that again. She didn't say, oh, you know, you deserve this. You earned it. And I understand your decisions. No, she said, I don't think there's a better man for the job. Right. For, <laughs> like, for, that could be taken. How I heard that is not like as a compliment. No, like, no it's like you, you're I, hanging out your Oreo cookie. That that Can we hear that one more time? Yeah, you bet. Then she go on to say, and then the love to everyone else, like no love for you, Chris. I mean, this maybe I'm reaching no, space jam reaching. Let's, let's, listen again. let's listen again. I got nothing to love. Hey, Chris, I will not be at the Academy Awards and I won't be watching, but I can't think of a better man to do the job at hand this year than you, my friend. Good luck. And to the rest of you, nothing but love always. <laughs> yeah no i i think it could be interpreted multiple ways and that's why it was constructed that way I, I, that's how i heard it mm-hmm. because it, there's a different no better man to do the job at hand and then you just went on for three minutes talking about how the oscars are so white and that and I, i'm just telling you, maybe i'm just i'm reaching but i don't think so uh and i think that's why chris came out was like you weren't invited anyway. You're not even in movies. You know what I'm saying? You went to, like because that's that's the shade. Like yes, absolutely. Hence, I can see her in limo. Oh, Rodno will. I swear, this is Jada. I swear, if Chris Rock say anything about me, mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, yeah that's he, it. That's it. Anything. Right. Yep. <laughs> and that's why he went off like, oh, yeah, G.I. Jane. But did, we, did that set Will off? I don't know, but it's clear from these next clips, Will wasn't really on board with what Jada was doing, but he had to go and put out the firestorm. Let's get right out to Robin. She's got that exclusive interview with Will Smith in L.A. Hey, Robin. All right, George. And all Will Smith, one of the actors who many feel should have been nominated for his performance in Concussion. Yeah, he hoped to receive a nomination. Many actors hope to hear their name called nomination morning. But Will Smith says he's even more concerned about what he sees as a serious issue that goes far beyond the film industry. Is Hollywood like you expected it to be and you dreamed of it as a kid? The beauty of Hollywood, in, combined with um, American ideals, is the, the ultimate dreams for humanity. The basis of the American concept of anything is possible with with hard work and dedication and no matter your race or your religion creed none of that matters in america the way you describe it um and for everyone can you stop for a second of course i want i hate i hate to do this but do you hear how will is talking does this sound like the will that we know no not at all at all it's, it, I, I only say this to to point out, out of all these clips we're going to listen to, he sounds different in every one. I don't know if it's, it's the the roles he's playing seeping in or what, but listen to the way he articulates his words. It's very strange. Work and dedication and no matter your race or your religion, creed, not, none of that matters in America. The way you describe it um, and for everyone, their American dream is different. It's Absolutely. not all the same. And they want to see that reflected in film. Absolutely. And I think that is part of the conversation that's going on right now. Absolutely. And people raising their hand and saying, hey, I'm not seeing myself. Right being recognized by the academy mm-hmm. and this is what got the ball rolling for the 94th academy this is where we're at now this started in 2016 yeah you were gonna say something well no I'm, I'm i'm jumping ahead i'm, I'm looking at april rain and <laughs> I, I know it's coming so i'm just i'm just looking at some players trying to find you know curry curry cash uh, check is not very easy so i'm just getting ready for you and it might not even like i said it might not be about money at this point it's about clout and you know who if you look at it uh well let's let's continue on but as you seen the 94 uh, academy awards was a g- perfect example of black people opening the door and holding the door for everybody else to get it going mm-hmm. and that's why i pointed out uh amy schumer <laughs> that's why we have she, all these she, damn that's why we have all these damn korean movies winning mo <laughs> right so you, we, uh, we open the door and then it's like amy comes in she's like what about uh uh zerlinko uh, what, what is his name Zelensky. Uh, Zelensky. Zelensky. yeah yeah that guy too uh, Zelensky, uh and the ukrainians while we're here black people yeah. let's talk about them it's like hold on i thought this was the black 
Oscars. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it's like two and a half women as the host. So, you know what I'm saying? They got um, Wanda Sykes, you know what I'm saying, representing the gays. You know what I'm saying? Now say that, the gays. The gays. You know what I'm saying? Like, the black. You know, that, that, oh, we got to get her. Oh, and we got to have a feminist rep- uh, representative. Oh, Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. It was like, hold on, we can't get a black man? Well, then you got Will Packer behind the scenes. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you, you, got, you, the, you got Denzel uh, hanging out in the front. Isn't that enough for you? Yeah, and then Tyler Perry was there. So it was like, okay, we'll give Will Award. You know, um, and I'm sure they picked up the phone. Now I'm doing a lot of speculating here. But I'm sure they picked up the Boule phone like, hey, Serena, you know that movie about your dad? <laughs> yes, <you>. yes. <laughs> the, the 94th might be the great year to drop it. You know what I'm saying? We, it's, the black, it's the black Oscars. We in, baby. You know what I'm saying? And then she gets Will to do it. And all this is not happening. And and. and in the, in silos, this this is a lot of phone calls and yeah, yeah we got we secured a bag for you know saying for ninety four, mm-hmm. uh, but it start started rolling here with April Rain and you know what I, I'm so giddy. Let's just go ahead and jump straight to seventeen. We brought her up so much. Okay, if you're throwing a party and you want everybody to come, equity is ensuring that there are different price points. Diversity is inviting everybody. Mm. Inclusion is actually asking people to dance once they're at the party. I'm April Rain, and this is a word why diversity is not enough. One fateful morning on January 2015, I was watching the Oscar nominations on TV. Category after category, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress. There were no people of color nominated in 2015. And this was the year that gave us Selma. I took to Twitter and I said one thing. Oscar's so white, they asked to touch my hair. Initially, it was... I had to remind people, Selma was produced on uh, directed by Auntie Duvernay. Uh, okay. So I'm just saying, that was a slap in the face. Like, it's not, Selma's not even nominated? Auntie Duvernay, who is Oprah's pupil? Oh, oh. So I just want, I want, I want to just push, put that out there. What, <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? We're going to go back to Will in the Firestorm, but I thought just yes, a, not... on the fly shift of uh, clips, you know, so I like we it. can continue on. I took to Twitter and I said one thing. Oscar's so white, they asked to touch my hair. Initially, it was just as snarky and as sarcastic as I meant it to be. And so that's what we were seeing with all of the responses. You know, Oscar's so white. They wear Birkenstocks in the wintertime. Oscar's so white, they have a perfect credit score, right? It wasn't until a couple of days later when I realized that people were still having this conversation and that we needed to talk about the distinctions between diversity and inclusion and equity and representation. And in fact, that this was bigger than just the Academy, just the Oscars, just the movie industry. So I created Oscar So White in January of 2015. In 2016, the nominations came out, and again, there were no people of color in any of the acting categories. One time is a fluke, two times is a pattern. And I think it was in 2016 when Oscar So White truly took off because people realized, oh, okay, there is actually something here. And it was in 2016 um, that the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences, they made substantive changes. 
2016. What what yeah. happened in 2016? Gee, was there was there a presidential election or something? Was there something that could have uh, added to this? 45 Savage, he created mm-hmm. a whole industry mm-hmm. of uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity, as I call it, D-I-E. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I know it's D-E-I, but I, I like the other way better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he created a whole, like you heard her say, this is bigger than the Oscars. This was a huge windfall of cash, corporate cash. Yes. Um, and, yes. And let me tell you. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. go. That's where I wanted you to get to. Mm-hmm. Corporate cash. So April Rain uh, was reached uh, after she created the Oscars So White. According to the Wikipedia page, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, a woman of color, who was mm-hmm. the president of the Academy, or can we just say colored woman? I never know what to say anymore. Um, she reached out, at first released a statement and reached out to, um, so the timeline's a little weird with what she said, uh, that the Academy would, quote, take dramatic steps to alter the makeup of our membership. And as a result, the Academy voted unanimously on January 21st, 2016, to make a variety of changes to its membership and governance policies with the goal of doubling the number of women and underrepresented groups by 2020. Hello. There's nothing to do with white. It has nothing to do with black. What you mean? Well, that's, <laughs> what do you mean? No, that's Read my, that again. No, that's, my, well, that's my point. Is like Oscar's so white. Well, this is not. This is. This is. Oh yeah. Okay. We're saying the same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, so that's the, the whole thing is like not on, a single Oscar's thing so about white. black. But but no. But then, um, as the hashtag was created, April Rain catches some fire, and mm-hmm. she um, uh, gets outreach according to her Wikipedia. I, mean, I can actually read it to you. Um, she says that Overture Global reached out to her and said, hey, let's make a content deal. Now, Overture Global, I, I really have no idea what they are because there's a lot of impressive people on the board, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, from the from business and from politics. Uh, they are not a nonprofit, or at least they don't have any information about it, but If we look at About Overture Global, I'll just read it to you. Overture Global is a media platform and thought leadership community built to inspire those working across boundaries, industries, disciplines, and generations. Overture focuses on the intersection of innovation and our culture of change by curating conversations for young, digital, connected audience via content, online, print, video, and live events. And perhaps this is where the money comes from. Its members and sponsors include Facebook, Google, Spotify, the World Bank, the Nature Conservancy, International Rescue Committee, U.S. State Department, the British State Department, and Johnson & Johnson. So you're right. Big money. Big money went into this. Because these huge corporations, as you always talk about, I call it the corporate credit score. Mm-hmm. But they they saw the handwriting on the wall and like we got to write a check to somebody. Got to get yep. And the, this was it. This was a check. It doesn't matter to who we got. I've saw this now, and I'm free mm-hmm. to speak of it. I saw it in my former uh the corporation I worked for. You saw all of these uh quote unquote black women being brought into HR. Mm-hmm. As the DIE specialists, and mm-hmm. they created these new executive roles, and they and it was so disgusting because what people don't know how the sausage is made. I was in these rooms; they would basically have 
black people come up there and tell how they were being how had how they experienced racism. And I, I was like yep. a very sadomasochist kind of vibe. Like wait a minute, so wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So there's a room with all with all kinds of employees. Yes. Except then you had to bring out the the ones the non whites. Let's just put it that way. You just stand right. up and say, "Here's how I experienced racism in the workplace." Yes, and then they had Fuck. different groups because every employee had to go to one group. They had the elderly, they had the disabled, they had the uh, LGBTQ, they had the, and then they had the black. And the funny thing was, I, last time I checked, I thought Indians and Asians were minorities too, but they didn't have no empowerment group. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You lumping us in with the disabled folks. You know what I'm saying? And the older feeble. And not no disrespect. But I'm just saying, like, and when they would have you sit up there and you had to say, and I would listen. This was during COVID. So I mean, I was in the Zoom, I mean it was Zoom rooms. And I, mm-hmm. I never had my camera on at work either. So I don't feel like <laughs> even at work, I didn't have no camera. I'm like, man, I'm not wearing no camera. Man, I don't put no camera. But it was like I would listen. They, like people would come up there, like it's very, like I said. This, I don't know, like, you know what I'm saying? What, sadomasochist vibe of, oh, and people are like, oh, you're so strong. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I would know where in the world I would get up here in front of a bunch of people and, like, want to be asked to, her words, be asked to dance. That's the thing. Like, right, you know, right. tell us your vibe. And that's what they brought in with them. But the, I, I know this is a long shaggy door, a shaggy doll story. But the funny thing was, like every month they were like, "Oh, we're gonna do this for this group, the Black Doll, you know, Black History Month." And then, like when it got to the other groups, it's like, "Oh yeah, we're donating money to this goal, this fund, or whatever." And I'm like, "Hold on, the Black people didn't get nothing. Like we got what? Like a a special lunch?" Yeah, Oscar like, so you know Oscar so white went to women and other minorities. It's fantastic. Of course. Look at look at the representation that was from the host. Mm-hmm. That that was, but who who did you have? You had the black woman. You had the older gay black woman, Rhonda Sykes, and the feminist. Mm-hmm. That's who that's that's who was up there. And mm-hmm. you heard of, out of all of them who was really making demands. We need yeah. you know what I'm saying we need Ukraine to be represented. Ukraine, the Nazis. Like I mean, at, at black Oscars. Or what, what what are we doing here? <laughs> but that's <laughs> but that's that's the way it went. Um, but. Let's see. I think we stopped at. Let's get back to Miss April Rain part two. In 2016, the Academy committed to doubling the number of people of color and doubling the number of women within its ranks by 2020. Opening up its ranks to people like Julie Dash who is a phenomenal filmmaker, like Melvin Van Peebles, who was the godfather of black exploitation films, neither of whom Stop. had been in the Academy before. <laughs> Remember, I, I just got to warn people, we talked about black exploitation films and riding in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Melvin Van Peebles is like 127 years old. Yeah. I mean, so when, <laughs> no disrespect, but when he dies, who do you think going to get his spot? Uh, it's like it's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like let's yeah. put the old black guy in there for representation. But we know, you know what I'm saying? Like he he, he ain't gonna be around here long, and then we'll just replace him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to stop. Yeah, this. No, no, just, no, no. <laughs> this is this is this is this is this. I had not expected. <laughs> I had not expected this. This is deep. I, this I, is deep. I, this is good. I, this is. You know what? 
the entire world was distracted and obsessed with this for a full week at minimum, mm-hmm. two weeks, and of course, there's still a long tail of it. No one has broached any of this, this these angles of what happened here. Not a single person. Not a single show, not a single network, nobody. This is. I just wanted to point that out and congratulate you on this fantastic work. I appreciate that. Okay, we continue. Ben Peebles, who was the godfather of black exploitation films, neither of whom had been in the Academy before, makes a difference because that means they're going to be viewing films through their lens, through the lens of a marginalized person. There is really not an industry in the United States that is not affected by the lack of inclusion of marginalized communities. So while I didn't have a goal initially, it became really clear to me that we needed to continue these conversations in every single field, not just in entertainment. And so I'm attempting to take that on and and continue discussing issues of diversity and inclusion and equity and representation. Both the terms diversity and inclusion are overused. It's sort of a catch-all and people really don't think about what the distinctions are. So when we see that particular corporations or organizations have diversity initiatives, what does that mean truly? They're going to put more people of color in their ads or in their magazines or, you know, shilling their product. And yet when you look at their boardrooms, when you look at the C-suite, when you look at the higher level employees within the organization, they look incredibly homogenous. When someone says, oh, yeah, we're very diverse, you know, we've been very intentional about what we're doing, ask the question, you know, what is the percentage of people of color? What is the percentage of disabled folks? (laughs) (laughs) All right, stop. Just stop. Stop. I need to give you some more information (laughs) on April Rain. So April Rain started a new studio with this global outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they started is Ensemble Studio. Uh, the uh, F, uh, the in Ensemble Studio. This is, it's all in the show notes. Ensemble Studio. What is Ensemble Studio? Well, first of all, Ensemble Studio creates opportunities from challenges, helps brands evolve and reach new audiences, and tries to make a positive difference to the world. We take our clients' creativity to new heights and enable each one to speak with a voice that's truly, uniquely theirs. So she went on to create content, Mm -hmm. and this Ensemble Studio, it's all on the website, is part of Fleischman Hillard, a huge advertising company. So it's a a (laughs) subsidiary of, and they, I'm reading right here, International Agency, 2,320 specialists across 48 offices, 31 countries, 20 languages, 11 time zones. Firm services include corporate and financial PR, employment engagement, crisis and issues management, domestic and international affairs, media relations, opinion research, analytics. Fleischman Hillard equips Ensemble Studio with insight and knowledge that informs and drives every piece of work, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so now, so the Fleischman Hillard, now we go back to that's who we are on their website. What do we do? Well, Uh, Our approach is built on collaboration, expert insight. Uh, Ensemble Studio brings creativity to brand and corporate communications. Nicely done, April Rain. What are some of your clients? Showcasing clients. Let's see. Um, The future starts today. 5G, AT&T. 
Bayer, Johnson & Johnson, Virgin Money, Financial Fraud Action UK, Tyson Krupp, Coffee People. I mean, th- so they went from, oh my God, Barclays, Santander, Olympus, Philips, Novartis. These are the people who create native ads, Twitter, black Twitter campaigns, anything mm-hmm. to push products, uh, agendas, BLM, ESG, DIE, LMNOP. This is evil shit. These are propagandists. To get that score up. Mm-hmm. The score You're, you always talk about. The how ESG, much money right did there. you spend? That's right. right. That's right. This is the ES. So, so April Rain is no friend to black Americans. <laughs> She's a corporate whore. I went to one of these trainings. See, it's a lot of stuff I couldn't talk about before. McKenzie had one called the Black Leadership Academy Experience. Ooh, experience. And, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the thing was, was it was so it was so artificial. A lot of people I know didn't want to, to partake in it. That HR was contacting black people. That's how I got in it. They were like, oh, you're black? <laughs> how would you like to be uh, the black leadership? Uh, they didn't say it like that. Excuse me, Mr. Moe. Uh, we have it on good authority. You're a black employee. Is this correct? That's, that, that is correct. <laughs> well, uh, we need to put you in the leadership group experience, Mr. Black Employee. The day, the day, uh, the cutoff, they were contacting people. How would you like to join? How would you like to join? I'm like, this would be great for content. Yeah, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> Good man. Good man. <laughs> so, so I signed up for it, but I don't understand how giving me more work yeah, is going to help me do my job better I, I, for the life of me. I don't understand. But this, they had to get the they cash. They need the ESG score. The mm-hmm. They need right. the ESG score up because it's, this is what's so interesting. You know, Elon Musk is normalizing ESG. He's normalizing it by saying, Oh, boo-hoo, I create all these great cars, but I, don't, I get kicked out of the S&P 500 ESG list because, you know, racism in the workplace. So we're not even asking about the fact that there's a crazy-ass score that, that determines, you know, if companies are investable. No, we're already down to the level of, well, that's fucked up, Elon. You, you deserve better. You see, it's normalizing. <laughs> it's normalizing it. Yeah, and that, that's, man, I'm trying but this is the thing. Like I said, I, I lived this. I know I, I couldn't talk about it before, but you know, I, I'm slowly. How saying, was the How was the experience? Was it fun? It was basically a set of. They were like, it was basically like a. Uh, they write up these quizzes, like, "Hey, you want to be a leader? This is what you got to do." And I'm like, "Bro, I've been a leader in my job for how many years? I mean, like, what are you telling me? It's about access at this point." And then they was. Uh, link you up with one of the executives in the company and you send him an IM and he didn't respond. You know, that kind of thing. Racist. Right. It was like, (laughs) I'll volunteer, but do you won't never respond. I was like, okay, I see what this is. But I knew what it was going into it. It was all about the George. This is doing George Floyd, peak George Floyd. Peak peak Mm GF. Yeah. So they were trying to get there and send the ESG score up, 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 up. And the way they did it was how much money we spent how many employees we got in? That's when the Coca Cola's leaks mm-hmm. was going on. Or, that, and this you is know. this is what you put in your corporate report. Um, yes, you, you do it every single year, and you show your DIE. Everyone has it now. Everyone has to have this. And yes, you're right. It, it comes down to the money. That's that's the score. How much money in in proportion to your revenues and profits did you spend on this? You know, Mo, so, we, we could be yeah. multi-millionaires 
But you and I just going out and role-playing this shit for companies. <laughs> We'd have a good Hello. time, too. We'd have a good time, man. Hey, I'll be, hey, I'll be the racist white guy. This, this is how not to do it, kids. <laughs> that That's the thing. But the problem is they're in an echo chamber. I, honestly, I think these companies are benign either way. It's like, how do we make money? Oh, it's the ESG score. Okay, that's going to no, raise no, no. our profit. Yeah. I, want, I, I, I got to say one other thing. We may have discussed uh-huh. this. When Tina was at Ronald McDonald House, I think it was, well, no, was it? I think it was. And, and so I'm speaking out of turn here. So I'm just saying, because uh, uh, she would have to speak to her experience. But in general, when she came home from one of these DIE, uh, it was like two days, she was very impressed because um, she learned about a lot of things she didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she just felt it was it was really it made quite an impression on her of things she never thought about um now this is before mofax mm-hmm. so you know she's you know and and she and i both talk about how many things we never thought about that it, it, it's like it's it's enormous but it's not the things that the DIE was teaching you you understand what a, i'm saying it's a it's a homogenous uh, catch all. The it's D- not the tailored D- to yeah. each no, the individual DIE, group. Yeah. The DIE thing is, <clears throat> hey, you know, I, uh, I have a master's degree, but you know, yet I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get a job in this that. Is it that that level kind of maybe a little bit more in the corporate environment, in the environment itself. And to me, it was kind of trauma based learning, not really. Yes. He- hello. Yes. hello. <laughs> that, that's why Pete George Floyd. They were like, mm-hmm. put it in. The drive you know that kind of thing it was <laughs> yeah. these are the books you need to read that's when white virginity um virginity yeah yeah but, so, but i'm saying uh, yeah. that it's completely the okay i guess what i'm saying is mm-hmm. there's so much validity to learning and understanding about your fellow countrymen that does not have to be in a corporate setting and a black white issue you know go out to a bar have a drink with somebody talk openly that but you can't do that well, i said it's set, yeah. Maybe the word maybe not homogenous, but it well, that's the correct word in the sense of it had to fit. Uh, it, they weren't creative. They were like, okay, this is the plight of maybe gay people in the corporate society. This is the plight of black people in the corporate no setting, not society setting. This is the uh, the plight of disabled people. In, no, it's like let's create one, yeah, well, <laughs> one yeah, lesson plan. Right, like, what's right. your disability? Oh, you have a vagina. Okay, okay. check. <laughs> oh, what's your disability? Oh, you have melanated skin. I see. Oh, what's your disability? Oh, yeah, you're getting old, huh? Okay, that and it's like okay, now we have a catch-all for everything instead of being specific to each topic. Where there's opportunities for the learn, but the problem was, I'm telling you, what with a DIE went off the rails at when they turned on their white sisters. See, they got in these rooms and it was like, yeah, yeah, this is my issue. But then the intersectionality thing came up. It's like, how many, how many uh Girl Scout badges did you have? Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, how many? Mm-hmm. Oh, you, but you had white skin, so you had to shut up. You know what I'm saying? When the brown and black women are talking. Right. And that's what kind of created the vibe in Virginia. You start start seeing it play out at uh at um town halls and school board meetings yeah because these people would go to work all day be forced to see these because you had to go you had to go oh, uh, no, mandatory. Respect your, yeah, mandatory. yeah mandatory mm-hmm. and then you told how bad you are that's you can't 
you can't force people to give you that hug or their words to dance. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you can have a meaningful conversation with somebody, go for it. You know, but you can't hold people hostage in a room no. and tell them how bad they are and think they're going to accept it. You can, but those people will be like messed up, you know, <laughs> uh, and that's <laughs> yes. why people are like kind of scared to say what they wanted to say. Now, with all that said, now we got to go back to the firestorm because now we see you've laid out all the corporate ca- cash as you do the court, the curry uh, cash check. Mm-hmm. And now what they what do they need? They need this is my speculation. They needed a front woman. Jada. The Academy is under pressure as more stars speak out about the lack of diversity in this year's Oscar nominations, including Will's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. Let's let the Academy do them with all grace and love. And let's do us differently. You're a beautiful wife, yeah. Jada. Mm-hmm. So passionate yeah, and so powerful. Absolutely. And letting the world know her thoughts Absolutely. about the lack of diversity in Hollywood with her posting. Absolutely. And has been seen by, by millions. Were you aware that she was going to do that? Uh, no. I was, uh, I was out of the country at the time. <laughs> and I came home. And I, what, what happened? <laughs> what was your first reaction? Was it, was it a fist pump or was it like, oh? She's deeply passionate and when she is moved, she has to go. And I heard her words and I was knocked over. You know, I was happy to be married to that woman. (laughs) But I appreciated the push. There is a position that we hold in this community and if we're not a part of the solution, we're part of the problem. Mm. And it was her call to action uh, for herself and for me and for our family to be a part of the solution. Jeez. He doesn't even know. No. When she's moved. (laughs) (laughs) When she's moved. So Oscar's so white. This, This is just my speculation on how if it's a hoax for you hoax folks out there, like I've covered, if it was real, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, emotional, we touched on it here. Maybe it was a mother response, you know, or whatever. But if it was a hoax, who could call that shot? Who has enough clout? Now we have an interesting person to come up, uh, oh, come up in boy. this. Oh, boy. So okay. Now we got to go. Now we got to go OG Boule. Quincy Jones. Oh no, not Q. It's like yes. running through a producer Academy Awards, like running through hell with gasoline underwear on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 amazing. It's uh, uh, you get. I was on the board of the Academy with the with the brand, music branch to years and so forth. And again, familiarity helps you uh, go through things. So. Uh, but just the way it's designed, you don't, you can't yell at anybody because you're not paying anybody outside of your staff, and so the stars, you're not, you know. So then, just rounding the stars up, you know, and trying to keep everybody just so that they go through to the end, because a lot of things happen, you know. The ego things happen. Uh, I don't want to be with so and so, you know. I don't want him to give me the award. <laughs> it's it's insane. Uh, but you get to see everybody. The day before you shoot, that's it. 
You think you think there's three weeks of rehearsal before? No way, buddy. The day before you do the show, you have all these people with 15 minutes apiece to come in and talk about what their what their script is about. The dialogue, if they want to change this or fix that and everything, and just really uh, just to see each other. Most of the people you know already anyway. Never stops. And two minutes before uh, um, Chris Reeve goes out. Uh, Chris Reeve goes out. He says he does not want to use the Superman theme now. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know how many people you have to load to to notify <laughs> to get that theme out. Forget the musical director. You know you got to get to to uh, to everybody. You know just cameras and everybody. And there's thousands of things like that that happen. You know the best part of the show. The important part of the show is to figure out what you can put your fingerprints on. The other stuff is fixed, it's given. And and what where, where can you touch it? And then there's the serendipity that just totally the moments that happen with uh, you know, whether it's with Christopher Reeves or or, 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 or Sorvina watching his daughter get the Oscar, you know, the emotional moments and that and that stuff you can't you just have to let let it let it go, let it happen, you know. So Quincy Jones produced the 1996 Oscars. Mm-hmm. 20 years later, Oscar So White comes up. Yes. So it's not like, I mean, he's been in Will's Packer shoes. That's why I brought him into yeah. this, but he plays a bigger role as well. But like he said, you only, for the people out there say, oh, it's staged. And, you know, that kind of thing is like this grand I think it's a disservice people do when they say things like things are staged and they think every uh, tidbit action is staged. Like even in sports, people are like, oh, look at the score. It was 102 yeah. to 103. Like, no, no, no. That's not how it works when you rig a game. I mean, it's not down to every shot. It's just like we have our goal and you hear Quincy Jones said they only go through this thing one the day before. That's it. Right. The day before, then they come back the next day and then they do a shoot it. So that gives a lot of opportunity for people with agendas to a lot of freedom to move about without it being this grand conspiracy of a hundred people like the cameraman was in on it. <laughs> there was tape on the floor. You know what I'm saying? He stood on the spot like, no, 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 calm down. Don't don't go that far. Cause that's how you lose people yeah. when you go that far. It's just like, is there a motive there? Yeah, there's motive. Is it opportunity? Yeah. But not when you go like, oh, everything's orchestrated, that kind you kind of lose the script. Well, and that's 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 the danger of conspiracy the- theories, and that's why mm-hmm. people need conspiracy therapists. And analysts. So that's, <laughs> that's why I, do, I, I analyze this conspiracy. I've heard them all. Uh, the Pfizer was up to it to push their new uh, alopecia yeah. drug. Yeah, yeah, so, I yeah. mean, it's, it's a lot of smoke, but they were talking about it six years ago. I mean, so... Who knows? But did somebody in the Fort Pfizer board like, hey, get our name, get our get a meme going for us, you know, to get our name out there in the circle? Probably. But I don't mean they were in on it, you know, the whole scheme. Well, what you hear, what you heard Quincy saying that, I mean, this this is the guy. He's a producer who really understands the final product. That's what I mm-hmm. like about what he was saying. You know, he's like, you know, here's the, here's the magic that makes things happen, good, bad, or indifferent. And I like the perspective that he's he's in the Oscar circles. Mm-hmm. See, because there there's as we're starting to see, there's everybody wants to say, oh, the blacks, 
or the gays. There's different groups inside these subcategories that yes. don't agree. Like you have a Quincy Jones and a Chris Rock and a uh, a Whitney. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg. She was very supportive for Chris Rock. You know, what I'm saying when he did the 2016. So you you, you it's different groups. So um, we got to remember that. So Quincy Jones had a different mindset other than boycotting. Anything you want to say before we play the next clip? No, I'm ready for him. All right, this is here on him on why boycotting won't solve diversity. What do you make of people saying we should boycott this year's Oscars? Boycott doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything, man. It's a confrontation, but it has no it has no solution. You know, I don't believe in that. I, all my life, I've always to make a problem and turn it, convert it into a puzzle. I can solve puzzles. What is the solution to the fact? What is the solution to the fact that we'll Oscar's so white? Later, we'll let you know later. Yeah. It's just complex, man. Very complex. Were you surprised? I used to be on the executive committee. I was one of the first. I was the first black on the executive committee. We changed all the rules for the song category and allowed the Beatles to win for Let It Be, for Isaac Hayes with Chaff, for Prince with Purple Rain, and. Did you ever think the Oscar would go to three six mafia for it's hard out here for a pimp? Please, <laughs> please, yeah. All right. So you see, he didn't have much to say about the Oscar so white uh, mm-hmm. situation, but the time came, and now Chris Rock goes up for the. We're still in 2016, just to keep people where we're at right now, and he goes out and. Uh, uh, calls out the her calls her out in the monologue. I'm here at the Academy Awards, uh, otherwise known as the uh, White People's Choice Awards. <laughs> Chris Rock tackled diversity head on during his opening monologue at the Oscars, delivering jokes that were both hilarious and poignant, like this one where he called out Jada Pinkett Smith for boycotting the show. Is she on a TV show? Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. <laughs> I wasn't invited. Jada's mad her man, Will, was not nominated for concussion. I get it. I get it. Tell the truth. I get it. I get it. You get mad. She said, it's, it's not fair that Will was this good and didn't get nominated. Yeah, you're right. It's also not fair that Will was paid $20 million for Wild Wild West, okay? <laughs> comedian kept things mostly lighthearted, but ended on a serious note, offering his perspective on the Oscar so white controversy. So it's not about boycotting anything. It's just we want opportunity. We want the black actors to get the same opportunities as white actors. That's it. Immediately following the monologue, stars praised rock on social media, including Amy Schumer, Oprah, and Ellen DeGeneres. Mm, hello, nice crew. Amy <laughs> <laughs> stay in the mix. Like I, I had to start looking at her differently. Like she, she, she's in the mix because she playing both sides. Notice with the monologue, she's like, oh, "I'm there for Chris," and then she gets in with the Oscar so white crowd or. Let me ask you this question before we get into the donation segment. Was the 94 Oscars the result of the Oscar so white or the solution to solve Oscar so white dealing with Quincy Jones and his crew? Uh, I would say that it's a follow on from uh, from Quincy. That, that's what would make sense to me. 
Who do we know? Who do we like? Who do we know? Who do we trust? All right, let's get Quincy in. He'll get Will Packer. You know, but also, like, but also, Quincy has an intimate, very long-standing relationship with Will. Oh, we're gonna get there. Oh, we're gonna. He, he produced uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Keep intimate. He. Oh, Mo, Mo, no! Don't tell me. I'm gonna just put my goggles no, on. I, I, no, I can't. Uh, I can't watch anymore. It's too much. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's just, let's take a cool. Let's take a let's take a break. Yeah, this is a nice place to take a break. Okay. Uh, and let's let's thank some people. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. And that's exactly what we've been doing. We've been talking about it uh, for 81 episodes now, and we continue to do it. I'm not going to grouse about donations. We already did that at the top of the show, but this is a value-for-value proposition. Tell me you've heard anything regarding this topic of any value anywhere that compares to this. I don't think you'll find it. It's all been show business drivel. It's all been corporate crap. This is the real deal. And I think we've learned a lot of interesting things about each other and our thinking along the way. And so this is where you can... Support the value that you've received by returning the value. It's that simple. Just put down a number. There's many ways that you can send it to us. Uh, you can do it uh, in the modern way with a new podcast app, newpodcastapps.com, uh, Cash App, PayPal. I'm actually I'm going to ask you, uh, Mo, to just double check the PayPal. I know we had a, a a late donation that came in from Brian Skelton. I just want to make sure because uh, he uh, it may be timely, and he emailed me about it. So while you're doing that. I will go down the list of our wait. Uh, wait before we do that, because we got to check and make sure we have a we have a traffic jam up top of big ballers. So as I was doing this, do we have multiple big ballers? Is uh, it some kind of tiebreaker? Okay, so here's here's how we're gonna do it. I'm gonna give the names. Okay, first, then we're gonna hit them all. Oh uh, no, you're right. It it got in here. I see it. Brian's in here. I'm sorry. So we're going to do all the names. We're going to hit them all with a big baller. Then we're going to read the notes. How does that sound? <sighs> Only this time. We're going to give everybody a big baller, but moving forward, if we got, can, can we have a meeting right quick? Yeah, oh, sure. Hold on. I don't have the, I can't reach the door, but okay, go ahead. Okay. All right. First donation in, and the second, and, 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 and so if you want to get big baller, you think this is your opportunity to get it in soon because, you know, I mean, it's not big ballers. Right. It's big baller. I mean, because that's it. That's it. That's it. So if it's just in, in the event of you let me know if this is fair in the event of a tie, whichever donation was made first will be the big baller. I think this is good. And uh, so, again, we'll we'll do one big baller for all these people. But that's the rule moving forward. So big ballers okay, move- today. Isaac, grandfathered in. Everybody grand, here is grandfathered, grandfathered in. in. <laughs> and I, grandmothered in. I don't want to be, don't cancel me for being uh, <laughs> gender, gender not, recon, uh, not recognizing all genders. Isaac Contreras, Brandon Archer, Jacob Wickland, Joel Nelson, Brandon Johnson, and Brian Skelton, all for this grandfathered one-time-only deal, are big ballers! Baller! Shot collar, 20-inch blades on the Impala. And thank you so much. Now, to their notes, Isaac says, much love and respect. Here's a little something to keep the wheels rolling to keep up uh, 
the kicking in the crotch of the M5M. You are both very strong-willed to listen to such dribble and not lose your minds. Thank you for your service. Hare Krishna. A Mo Karma, if you please. You bet. No problem. <laughs> You've got... Mo Karma. Brandon Archer wanted to cancel Cannon. <laughs> Jacob Wickland, no note, but we appreciate your $100. Thank you very much. And, of course, you got that uh, big baller. Joel Nelson says... My wife is annoyed that anyone would take pizza and make it into a bad thing, like the pizza party and Pizzagate. Uh, well, sorry. We, we didn't do that. <laughs> I'm, did. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, just, sometimes memes are just too good, man. I'm we're, sorry. We're, we're, just, we're, we're just reporting the news. <laughs> Here's Brandon Johnson's note. Hey, Mo and Adam, this is an imposter donation. Oh, oh, an imposter. I had the pleasure of meeting Adam and Tina at the Charleston, South Carolina meetup hosted by the lovely Dame Jennifer. I knew since Adam has never seen you... I would take it upon myself as the self-proclaimed leader of the notorious B.I.E., Black Identity Extremist, to set up a mission to tell Adam that I was you. The podfather is too sharp and knew right off the bat that I was not you. In my mind, he said, I'm not buying it. Doesn't help that I'm one of those black people that sounds like a white person, or so I've been told in the past. (laughs) I know who this is. One last thing. Adam, the sound quality you produce is second to none. When I was talking to you, it felt like I was talking to you live. Uh, it felt like I was talking to a live podcast. True lossless audio. Thanks for all you guys do. Love is lit. No jingles, no karma from Brandon. Yes, Brandon, uh, a very handsome black man, actually. Uh, who was This meetup was, I mean, we should be getting ESG points for our meetup. We had black, white, brown, yellow, crippled, old, young, ugly, beautiful, nuts, uh, colorful. I mean, every and every single person was just beautiful. It, uh, you know, that, that's how that's the Pat's family. Yeah, and that, the no gym, no agenda family. Yeah, we're gonna have to do a combo meetup in your neck of the woods pretty soon, Mo. We got to do this, but I still don't want to see you. We'll just, we'll just have blindfolds. We'll just have blindfolds. You, you know, I, I, the silhouette, like, like you're saying with the I, lamp behind and me. I was like, try, and I was trying to explain it to Brandon. I said, you know, Brandon, I look at you and I'm like, yeah, you know, I have a, I have a, a, a visual of Mo in my mind's eye. You know, I have a visual of your house. I have a visual of your kitchen. I have a vision, a visual of your living room. I have a visual of your studio. I have a visual of your kids. I have a visual of your wife. I mean, I have this entire visual that I'm really happy with. That's the cool thing about just to say not to make like a big deal out of it. But like when you read a book or even like listen to things on audio, like radio, old radio, Mm -hmm. you kind of form things in your mind and it's a more personal experience. So it's everything that's done here is intentional. I just want like to send for a better product. Exactly. Well, exactly. But it's also, it's just, it's, um, to me, it's like, I, I love, I love the man I talk to, uh, on the, on the podcast. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't need to, I, you know, I just, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just staying home for the rest of my life. I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> Let's read on. Uh, thanks, Brandon. That was great. Alexis Spina, I think, uh, Oops, hold on a second. What's happening there? I uh, didn't mean to do that. Um, Alexis. I, did we get Alexis in the big baller? No, we didn't get We stopped the Brandon. I, I, we, well, we did Brian. We did Brandon. I don't think I did Alexis. I just got to hit her, too. Baller, Make sure she gets her, gets her props. Got to give her the props. 
Hey, Mo and Adam, please credit this donation to my little brother, Dimitri. Okay, so that's a switcheroo. I'll change that. And can can we can we have a clip? We have a jingle for this. Can we label this the uh, the douchebag deluxe when somebody else brings a fellow <laughs> member out of douchebaggery? I mean, a dirt baggery, dead dead beak baggery, whatever you want to call it. Well, she's... Uh, out of no 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 out of rears. When you're brought out of rears, <laughs> for the people that know what that is, mm-hmm. for deadbeats, mm-hmm. uh, it's the deadbeat deluxe because uh, we that need mean, to... That means you get deadbeated and de-deadbeated in one go? No, we just give Alexa a deadbeat deluxe for getting her brother out of uh, deadbeat status. We don't actually have a jingle for it. Yes, we do. We yes, we do. We do have that, yes. It's the deadbeat deluxe, actually. Sorry. <laughs> Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. There you go. <laughs> uh, I shared the show with him a few months back, and he's already almost on episode 40. This donation is in honor of his 24th birthday. He has an incredible heart, mind, and soul. And I know the this show will only make him wiser. Please give him a, give him a biscuit for his birthday and a woosah. And thank you for all that you do. Oh, that's very kind. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. Woosah. Woosa. 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 Big woosa. Brian Skelton, there he is with 100. After my trip to South Carolina, this is how I knew he was donating, where I was hit in the mouth about Mo Facts, I decided I should check it out. Result? Effing rad. Brian's a white man. Uh, <laughs> Love the uses of rad. Take me back to 92. Uh, Ninja Turtles. Uh, great discussions. As soon as I heard the D dead beating, I immediately texted Dame Jennifer to ask if it was her voice. She said, yes, I knew I was in good company, but didn't want to be as a deadbeat. Please, D dead beat me. <laughs> Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. No, he's a good guy. Great show. And you have a listener for life. Thanks, Brian. Amy Mullen, 81, show club donation. You got it. You're in there. Thank you for the insight in number 80. Thank you, Amy. C. Davis, 50, please D. Deadbeat me. Value for value. Keep on going. Sure. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Then we have uh, our uh, associate exec. Oh, that was an associate executive producer, Courtney Chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, also 50, love you guys, love the show. You know what I'm going to do, Mo? I'm, I'm just going to roll through all of these and we'll do the uh, the boostergrams in the second segment. Is that okay with oh, you? That, that works for me. That yeah, works for me. I think that'll work. So, so stay tuned, everybody, because the boostergrams are pretty cool too. Uh, Brandy Bledsoe, 4444. Mama B. Yes, thank you, Mama B. Christopher DiBiase, value for value, 33. Ryan uh, Schoen, and Ryan is female points it out thank you ryan we need to know these things 25 jill woods 20 jeremy cavanaugh 10 jeffrey smith 10 value inappropriate as it may be with blessings <laughs> terrence lynch 10 uh, mark j asher uh he says shill elon screw your freedoms <laughs> uh nicole garner 9.9 interesting thank you both for being truth seekers I share your show, so I've certainly paid in advertising. I promise. Hey, time, talent, treasure. We accept it all. Please give me a biscuit and new money with a tiny bit of Mo Karma. If it's not too much to ask, it's all I have, but so worth it. Again, please keep revealing the truth. The new money will be coming up in a moment. We got. They the... always give me a biscuit on my birthday. I'll give you the Mo Karma right here as well. You've got Mo Karma. Johnny Hipwell, 555. He says, thanks, Johnny from Canada. 
Can- Canada, Canada, California. I don't know. Canada, CA, Canada, Canada, Canada. Canada. Uh, Chris Cohenhor, thanks for all you do. Cohenhor, 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 533. Joshua Goodson, 5. That's a monthly. Thank you. Terry, the human subscription, Keller, 411. He's always there doing it manually. And Ian Edmonds rounds it out at 3.33. Neither of those gents had any notes. Uh, but thank you all very much. Please, uh, for those of you listening, step it up. I want the show to continue. Mo will do other things. If uh, if it, if you know this, it's just it's time, it's talent, it's treasure, it's value. You need to return it. Go to. And we'll always have this conversation. They just won't hear it. I mean, I, 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 nothing's going to stop our conversation. Oh no, we'll so. continue to have it. Yes, <laughs> we're not stopping. Yeah, that, right. that's a good point. I like that a lot. Uh, for those of you who supported us, of course, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We really appreciate that. Uh, you can do as you can support us as well by going to uh, mofax.com. You can do, go directly to the donation website at mofundme.com, which is M O E F U N D M E.com. And you can always use a modern podcast app to uh, send us the, the preferred way of the future. Uh, we'll be talking about that in the next segment. Until then, thank you again for supporting episode 81 of MoFax with Adam Curry. <laughs> All right, so we've we heard the monologue, we've heard about the slap, but what I want to do is humanize the two men that were in you know in this event. I'm going to start with Chris Rock, and then we'll move on to Will Smith. But we got to look at their childhoods because we always like to humanize. See, like you brought up with uh, Will Smith and his mother, and, you know his experience with her, mm-hmm. how it may have led to it. I want to show how. Like I said, these are the good guys of Hollywood. These are those. These are the guys like are celebrity. I mean, like black celebrities. Like okay, those are the quote unquote you know acceptable. Well, no, no, beyond that, family these, friendly. Yeah. yeah, these are nice black men. Your white daughter can come home with. Yeah, I'm serious. Uh, these, these are the non-threatening black men of Hollywood. That's how. And that's they're why viewed. I think. And I think that's why it, if it, it was played out like I think it was played out. They're the perfect two to show there's no good ones. You know, it's like, cause let me, let me lay something out here. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's sad. Cause I want to lay this out. How, if it ever becomes popular, not to buy on with the wokeism that they try to force down our throat with black Twitter, with DIE, with all this woke agenda mm-hmm. and, Black men are truly representative as the more conservative people that we are, not politically, I'm talking about socially. Mm-hmm. And we also want to celebrate our individual identity uh, and not be told to shut up and just stay the bottom. That and in, that interrupts the whole agenda. That cause that opens it up to right now, you even here. Everybody else, all the Hispanics are going to that though 70, 30, 40, 60 split voting, right? The black block is the only block the Democrats can count on. And if that ever gets to, we saw with Trump, you know, he doubled from 2016 to 2020 in black women and black men that voted for him. And like I said, you know, I stand on voting. I don't vote. But the reason I'm saying this is you think this slap won't impact the, the, the image and this is something that Kevin Samuels just to bring him up once more time was all about our racial image. And that's what pissed up pissed, pissed off a lot of people about him because it's like, no, we won't be your sacrificial lamb. We won't be the bottom. 
you know, as he said in the clip I played to him, it's this brute thing they want to have with us. Like, oh, me, me mad. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and to take two good guys like this and play that out on an international stage kind of took a little bit of the wind out of the sails mm. of uh, of the movement of black male independence. Question. So, so now we come yeah. back to what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. You, it's taking it out for you, for yourselves, but perhaps not so much to the rest of the world. I know it's much deeper than that. You and I know much better, but to superficial people who just kind of like, eh, I don't know if they feel uh, like like black men are any worse than they might have thought or not thought. This I- is important. Intra community. This is important. This is very important. Intra the quote unquote community. Okay. Because it's like, this is your leadership. <laughs> like, this is who you want to follow. You know, just, you know, it, that, it, that's it, the whole it. point of it. It was because this thing that might not bleed over the all the intri- like I said, intricate details didn't bleed over the timeline mm-hmm. uh, into and, and your grades. At all. You know at all. Now, th- this is why I'm bringing it up because, you know, right. th- all these things almost seem self-imposed, but I understand what you're saying now. This this helps a lot. Right. Because this is get some back on the booty to the poles. <laughs> uh, you know, th- this the, the brute mentality. And that's why Kevin Sam was so savage about the way he came at it and i felt the same way because it's like oh this is to destabilize the, the image uh of black men uh the way it played out but now we got to go and look at the background of these two men which i don't think many people talked about and this is chris Ro- before the oscars chris rock opened up about the child childhood trauma he experienced Sunday night's Oscar assault is still very much an evolving topic, and people are focusing on a podcast from back in January where Chris Rock recounted how a violent incident from his childhood impacted him later in life. Take a look. In my childhood, I was bullied ridiculously. Half of it, the bullying, because I was just a little guy. And then I got bused to school, so I got I was a little guy and I was black. One day, a guy really disrespected me really bad, like, mushed me at a party. And I went home, I put a brick in a book bag and smacked this guy in the face with this brick and then stomped him Joe Pesci style. Now, to the point, we thought he might die, as my shrink puts it to me, you have been scared to be angry ever since. So the guy you saw Ah. was bending over backwards to be nice because I was so scared of my anger. Hmm. You know, and and the question is, did the incident have anything to do with the way he handled things at the Oscars? Or was he being the adult in the room? I think both things are true. And I want to ask people why you think he would have indulged in a brawl on a stage in front of three billion people. Why wouldn't he be the adult? I I keep hearing that. And people keep saying people are going to, you know, think of black people the wrong way. Well, let me tell you. They should be looking at us saying, oh, okay, because he didn't indulge. He didn't. There's nothing wrong with what he did. So there's no reason for anybody to have any issue with black people. You have an issue with Will Smith and what he did. Yeah. He doesn't represent every black person on the planet. Stop doing that. Wow. So Whoopi just putting it out there. If, If in case it hadn't traumatized you about black men, here's something to not think about. Right, that's horrible. But I don't think I don't think she intentionally done that because she's on the. Remember, she was supportive of Chris Rock and doing the Oscars. I know, but 
But she brought something up that her predominantly white audience wasn't even thinking about. This is oh, my point. I didn't, see, I didn't see it that way. See, yeah. that's why I I didn't. Oh, so you're saying don't talk about what I'm going to talk to you about kind of situation. Like, well, no, don't think no, about what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is she's uh, propagating the the trauma interracially. Right. I, I don't understand why, because I don't think that that was... People are looking at two actors. Their audience looked at actors. Their audience weren't thinking about that. Now they are. Right. That's why I said, don't think about what I'm telling you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So and that's like, it's like when people say, I got something to tell you, but I'll tell you later. Yeah. It's like, now I'm going to think, <laughs> yeah, exactly. think about this. I'll just tell me. No, no, exactly. I'll tell you later when I got time. Like, that's exactly. a very manipulative. I didn't look at it that way. That's very. That's a very interesting uh I was. I'm gonna tell you how I heard it because I like like doing this when we hear something hear two different yeah, yeah, things. Of course, I was hearing her say, like all black people don't think this way of it's okay to go up on the stage and smack somebody or get into a brawl with people that you were hearing for Tiffany Haddish. You know what I'm saying? Like hmm. the violence is not okay. Let's listen to it again. Okay, it's worth it. I like that. I love it when we hear things differently. <laughs> That's what makes it so beautiful. Let's, uh, let's do it again. Sunday night's Oscar assault is still very much an evolving topic, and people are focusing on a podcast from back in January where Chris Rock recounted how a violent incident from his childhood impacted him later in life. Take a look. Okay, so this makes sense right now. This is this mm-hmm. is actually great information. This is just as uh, you know, everyone has trauma, and I'll skip past the part of him retelling the whole story. Okay. But, but this is good. I mean, this is, and that's an interesting topic that she's bringing up. So, okay, this is why Chris Rock may not have fought back is because this is his, his individual trauma that he actually went to a psychiatrist for. Die was bending over backwards oh. to be, you know, and, and the question is, did the incident have anything to do with the way he handled things at the Oscars? Or was he being the adult in the room? I think both things both. are true. And I want to ask people why you think he would have indulged in a brawl on a stage in front of three billion people. Why wouldn't he be the adult? I, I, I keep hearing that and people keep saying people are going to, you know, think of black people the wrong way. Well, let me tell you. Ah, no, not people, black people. Whoopee. Right. That's 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 the thing right there. They should I, be. I, I see what you're yeah, and 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 also understand the view is highly scripted. This was premeditated that she said this. Point point taken. So I mean that just it just goes to show you that that racial image is always being thought about. To say, okay, we don't want to be seen like, you know what I'm saying, brutes or whatever. Hey, on, hey, on, hey, welcome yeah. to my club, brother. What's that? My club is everything a white man says has to, you have to filter it. Is this racist? Is, I'm saying, am I saying something? Am I out of, am I out of character? Am I saying something that's wrong? Am I going to hurt someone's feelings? I, I'm not putting me above yeah, you. No, no, it's not saying it's different filters. I mean, of course. It's the same, this is what brought us together because mm-hmm. it's different filtering mechanism but the fact that the filter's there that you know uh and i like to go back one minute when even when um what's the lady from uh the tall lady with the short hair on good morning america i forget her name uh Uh, robin robin Mm -hmm. when she started to talk about jada she was like you're a beautiful wife isn't she amazing like she had to even when it's talking about one of her sisters, she had to lay it on thick before mm-hmm. criticizing. <laughs> it's different filters for everybody. Yeah. And 
what we do here is to have an honest conversation. I don't worry about you being offended. You don't worry about me being offended. And it's really a rare space because everywhere else you have to think about it. Even if you, even if you go on and perceive what you thought about before thinking it, the fact that you had to think it, that's the real mind control. Yes, exactly. All right. So yeah. So now I want to get into a little bit deeper of the abuse that Chris Rock experienced. This is a horrible existence. The closest character I can relate to is uh, Tim Robbins in the Shawshank. Every day was hell. I was a nigga and I got fucking my ass beat and I got physically fucked up and sometimes some sexual shit happened. And yeah, like I wasn't rape, but rapish. Okay. I found that to be like, I need a follow up question. I mean, rape ish. Rape ish. Mm-hmm. So, and to go back when Chris Rock was talking about <laughs> when, <he said, laughs> when he says that, I heard banjos playing for some reason. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, deliverance, right? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Hey, I'd be traumatized too, brother. <laughs> But nobody asked a follow-up. Oh, I mean, like, no, of course not. That would be journalism. Stop. But, and also, nobody cared. I mean, if nobody cared, it's, it's the shows I'm going to start happening to, to talk about and some topics I'm going to talk about. Nobody cares about black man abuse. Nobody. I mean, like, we're, as a demographic, we're one of the most abused people. Look at prison rate and all these things. They're trivialized as jokes, as comedy. You know, so. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, you got, I mean, like, even him being bullied on the show, Everybody Hates Chris, some of that is portrayed out, but it's done in a self-deprecating humor kind of way. And that's that thing I told, like, I talked about it before with me. I'm serious because everybody expects you to laugh and joke and not be serious because you don't want to seem intimidating or that kind of thing. That's that filter. It's like, that was the thing. Like, he doesn't want to be seen as angry. So you got to smile and just take it. And no, (laughs) we're not going to take it anymore. You know, it's a cute music, but that's, that's where we're at with it. And that's, I think that's what they're trying to put a wet blanket over. It's like, no, you can't have men in general, black men, more specifically for my case, saying what they feel like. That's a, that's a bad idea. Right. Uh, for a certain group of people, (laughs) To say what we sign on to and what we don't. And it's the same thing for your group. Like when you start taking out the filters and saying what you want to say, then we can get to some yeah, to some common ground. And I think that's the real thing they want to stop. So now that's his trauma, childhood trauma. Let's go over to the other side. And race plays a lot into it because he was going to a white school. Now this is Will Smith talking about racism in his career and childhood. Early on in your rap career, you write about facing constant criticism. And I love this quote. You say, at Catholic school, no matter how well-spoken or intelligent I was, I was still the black kid in Winfield. No matter how up I was on the latest music or fashion, I was never quite black Black enough. enough. I became one of the first hip-hop artists who was considered safe enough for white audiences. But with black audiences, I was labeled soft Mm -hmm. because I wasn't rapping about hardcore gangsters stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this racial dynamic is something that has plagued me in various forms throughout my entire life. And I wanted to ask you, how have you navigated what you call this racial dynamic? So 
The elixir for me has been comedy. Comedy crosses all divides. Mm-hmm. If you right, learn stop. how to make people different wheel. Yes, comp- yes. Very I different. Just wanna, I just want to yeah. point that out. I mean, yeah. like if, when we listen to wheel, listen to all the different wheels, because that's very jarring. To, it's very jarring to me is, when you listen to them in different spots. That is so true. That is com- completely different. Will interesting. All right. Comedy crosses all divides. Mm-hmm. If you learn how to make <laughs> people laugh, it's like. Um, it's the sugar for anything else that you want to bring mm-hmm. to that person. People are wide open, open. when they're laughing, right? So <coughs> for me, throughout my career, the, the, the bigger the laugh, I realized the, the less I was the black dude. Hmm. Really now? So you, Chris Rock dealt with the same thing. Yeah, not being black enough. And I want to make something clear: there are black comedians and actors that are seen as the black white comedians and actors. Like they, they, and it's bear with me to try to explain this. Sure. Like David Chappelle, he doesn't make black comedy. Chris Rock didn't make "quote unquote" black comedy. No, and it, it is it is, it is weird. And like I said, it's it, Wanda Sykes, another one. Uh, uh, the one that addressed it the best was Wayne Brady when he was on Chappelle, because they kind of acknowledged it. <laughs> like Wayne Brady is like a show tunes, uh, Broadway kind of act. It's not black targeted media let me be clear what that is it's funded by the same people but it's targeted in a different way um you even have this in youtube you have black targeted content creators and you have black content you have content creators who happen to be black okay there's a there's a difference i mean and and, and i just want to point all this out because this is why the rub of chris rock being told you're the you're the best guy for the job. <laughs> you know, it's like, what does that mean? Right. And I'm sure Will could empathize with him because he was this, like you said, the safe black guy to bring home to your parents. You know, nobody wants to be safe. I mean, just be, let's just be honest. I mean, like nobody, that's not a, it's something that you want to be. That's not something you want to be known as. Right. Like it, it, it equates to boring. It equates to, uh, lame in a way. Yeah. So I just want I just want to point that out. You know what I'm saying that's that I think that's why the 2016 was the real uh rub, and what we saw play out this the this that this year was just a result of that. Oh, you're the best guy for the job. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I, like I, I can hear how Chris heard that. Oh like, yeah. What the hell you mean? I'm the best guy. You're like, yeah. <laughs> for that racist white show. Yeah, go tap tap dance, Chris. Like that kind of thing. Like, I know exactly how he heard it. And, and yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and I'm sure Chris knew as well. But let's get into the second part of uh, Chris and Ray. Man, I'm willing racism. Right. 
the the bigger the laugh, the less I was the soft dude, right? Laughter trumps everything, hmm. right? And it's it's a magical it's a magical energy that connects people, and that it, for a brief moment at least, purifies the poisons. Yes, and you're not in any way. Didn't marginalizing or minimizing overt racism because you say every encounter I ever had with overt racism were with people I estimated to be weak enemies at best. Mm -hmm. So overt racism, although dangerous and ever present, never made me feel inferior. I thought that was so interesting. I felt the same way. Same way, you're So right. I was raised to believe that you can encounter any situation, racist or otherwise, hard work, education, and God will topple any and Absolutely. all obstacles and enemies. And I wonder how did that affect you moving through the world of power mm-hmm. as a black man? So it's funny. Ty- Tyrese called me one time. He was going through something. Who's Tyrese? Tyrese from uh, Transformers, Fast and Furious. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And he was mad. He had just left a meeting or something uh-huh. like that. And he said, man, what I got to do to walk into these meetings and have them not look at me as just a nigga walking in the office. And I said, well, you got to stop thinking of yourself as a walking in the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a couple things I want to address. One, he brought up magical. And that's why I was talk- talking about the magical Negro. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is that, like I said, it's a stereotypical role. And you start, it starts to trans, it starts to stick with you off the screen. That's just like Morgan Freeman. He's seen as, you know, God. You know what I'm saying? Like all them yes. shows, like President God, this kind of thing. He solves everybody's problems. One of the best magical Negro roles that was, <laughs> examples that was played was Will Smith in The Legend of Bagger Vance. And right. what it is, is you're a black man, but your whole goal is to be the savior for white, well, white uh, character. You know, it's like, it's not about me. I went, I suffered <laughs> so I can be this safe uh character that'll sacrifice once again sacrifice yeah my own wants and needs for your improvement and yeah. like i said ba- bagger vance was like one of the go-to textbook uh examples yeah um and it's fun i'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it over to you but i just want to point out one more thing the determination hard work and god Notice they when two Boulay members are sitting down and having a conversation, they can say that. But if you say that like out, mm-hmm. <laughs> it conflicts with everything the Democrats or liberals think. Yes. So uh, Oprah can't say that out loud. I mean, like use her full voice to say. No, that. she she says uh, she in fact she used it as other people saying it. This is what what people it's not herself, other people. Right. But they both agree that's how you do it, but they can't do that because that ruins the whole victimhood DIE grift. See, it's a very nuanced conversation. It's a very nuanced conversation. And it's a it's gas and brakes. It's like, uh, 
we can't go too far with that God and determination thing, but we're Boulay brothers and sisters. We can have this conversation amongst <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, mm. it's, 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 it's very, like I said, it's very many layers to this, but, uh, going to the next clip, I think this, and this is a long clip, so stop it where you want to, but I left all the music, the fanfare, everything in, because I believe this was the passing of the guard from Bill Cosby to Will Smith. Oh, my. Uh, okay. That, That's some interesting shoes to fill. Now, just listen to the reset. This is older. I think it's like 98, 99, Essence Wars, if, if my memory serves correct, correctly. But listen to Bill Cosby's uh, reception in the room. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who says the darndest things. 1997's Essence Award recipient, Mr. Bill Cosby. Yeah, that's when he had uh, kids say the darndest things. The TV show it was very popular. Yeah, yeah this time. yeah this is what this is him at his peak, ultimate peak. Yeah, peak. Listen to the applause. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Standing ovation. Once upon a time, there was a young guy from Philadelphia named Will. He was an ordinary fellow from a nice home living off of his parents. <laughs> and while he did that, his parents taught him right from wrong. But he found that he had an extraordinary gift and it turned him into a fresh prince. <laughs> fashion a rhyme at the drop of a dime <laughs> all the neighborhood kids marveled at this ability which he most often displayed at parties with his best friend DJ Jazzy Jeff I never really wanted anything other than to hear our record on the radio. That was like the big dream. And in like June 1986, you know, Jeff and I, we were at my father's business and we saw a guy riding by bopping his head to Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. And from that point, we've been completely beyond anything we ever dreamed. <laughs> and if you heard in there, they heard that you could hear Chris Rock presenting uh, the award, the Grammy Award. Right to 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 uh, Will Smith. So I just just let you know that there there's history between those two. No kidding. Because because in these award shows, I don't know if people knew this or not. You can select who you want to give you your award. I mean, everybody knows who's won. <laughs> That's why they know to show up or not. 
What? <laughs> no. No. But, because you saw this with Kanye and Ludacris when he first won his Grammys. Him and Ludacris are very close. So that that was, that. I think that's an indicator to how close uh, Chris and Will were pr- prior to this whole situation. All right, so Fresh Prince. I think this goes to your point about letting a young black man into your home. That was a big deal, that show. Yeah. So, um, that, that Monday slot, NBC, NBC, Cosby, if this show was created by Quincy Jones, you hear Oprah, you're saying like, I want to stress the point that Will Smith is super duper boule. <laughs> like all the old school put their hand on him. Like he, they were all saying that clip between him and Bill Cosby. He was pretty much that Bar- was the Barack Obama of Hollywood. He, he was mm-hmm. like sitting and, you, and there is a resemblance between Will Smith oh, yeah. and, and Barack Obama. You know what I'm saying? And the ears and everything like that. So just don't let that slip past you either. But this is the story of how uh, Fresh Prince became the Fresh Prince. Before I was getting in trouble with Uncle Phil. I was in trouble with Uncle Sam. Me and Jeff had come out with our smash hit. Parents just don't understand. We made a bunch of money. We won a Grammy. Album was triple platinum. I had motorcycles and cars. I called the Gucci store in Atlanta and I was like, hey, will y'all close it down if I bring my friends? And I'm smiling, but that's stupid. We released our next album and it was like a flop. <laughs> It was a tragedy. It went like double plastic. <laughs> I had spent most of my money, like all of it. I spent all my money. And I didn't forget, but I didn't pay the IRS. In my <laughs> mind, I mean, I wasn't like trying to avoid paying taxes. I was just like, oh, damn, they need their money. The IRS took all, took all of that stuff. So I was like, broke, broke, broke. Being famous and broke is a sucky combination. Because you're still famous and people recognize you, but they recognize you while you're sitting next to them on the bus. And the stuff they ask you to sign on a bus, you know, like, oh, can you sign my baby? That's a Sharpie. I, I probably shouldn't write on the baby with that. Oh, you too big to sign my baby. Well, no, I mean, you know, so I signed it. This is so telling. Uh, see, proceed. You, yeah, see, you knew all this stuff. Okay. Uh, I didn't know this. I, I know Will Smith from then. Um, we both performed, well, he performed, I emceed at the uh, launch of uh, Hed, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, the launch of the video game, mm-hmm. and hung out, and, you know, kind of like backstage hanging out. It was nice, you know, really nice guy, really thankful for where he was and everything. Uh, and that was indeed around '86. I think he had something to do. I think he might have had something to do with that, with the soundtrack to the to the game or something. It doesn't matter. Um, but the fact that he went completely that he completely blew all the money. Yeah, yeah. This is the pattern. And is it the pattern to leverage an asset? Because it's too far. It's far too common. A happening that they get 
celebrities. Well, it's it, into it's, tax trouble. It's a, you, they yeah. they can leverage you for well, other agendas. Let me. He said something else that's important to understand. Go ahead. Because I've been a little bit in this trap, but so being uh, what he says, being a celebrity and broke sucks. Being a celebrity and making not celebrity money sucks. So that was MTV for me. MTV. I'll tell you now. It, I'm not complaining. Um, I made my first year $150,000 working at MTV. The second year, 175. I never made more from MTV than that. Now, other things I did, I did okay, but that was the MTV money. So when you're Adam Curry, leather jacket, big hair, and MTV is flying your coach down to spring break, you got to understand it's weird. So what, 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 this is what this is why because it goes back to what we said earlier. There's certain things expected from celebrities. It's a facade. It's a it's a it's the magic of being a celebrity is that you fly. You know, someone offered for the now. Now I'm luckily I'm no longer in mainstream, so I could be really honest. And everybody mm-hmm. knows you know I make my money from value for value, and that's sometimes good, sometimes not. Um, but if, we were flying to South Carolina. We had, you know, take two planes to get there from uh, from Texas. And someone kindly sent me a note and said, hey, you know, if um, if you get stuck in, uh, you know, Atlanta, if you're going through Atlanta, I'm about an hour away and I, you know, I could drive you the rest of the way. But the sentence read, um, if you're flying commercial, you see, people think that, you know, uh, that Adam has private jet money. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you hop off the PJ. Exactly. <laughs> the PJ. After popping some Don. You know what I'm saying? Crystal, baby. Crystal. Just to know that you still are a high value man and making $100,000 a year. Uh, so we were saying, even at the time you were MTV. So no worries there, but they expect you to get off, pop in the Don, pop in the champagne. Yeah. Uh, throwing hundred dollar bills, at, you're saying at the every flight attendant. Well, it's it, a, it, that's the thing. But it's a trap. It's a trap. And when you're young and impressionable, and this and there's no, you don't get a manual like, hey, you're on TV, you're famous. Here's here's your hand guide. You don't get that. You might have. Now, I was very lucky. My first wife, she was very smart. But she she would do two things. She would say, you're not going out to party because they're all losers and it only ends in tears. And I think that she's right about that. But she would also mm-hmm. say. You're going to pay the extra half to fly first class. You can't fly coach as Adam Curry, the celebrity. And so I literally, you can't. Can. No, I literally yeah. would take money out of my own pocket to go do work for MTV. And you know what? In the reality world, that we, reality TV world we live in now, mm-hmm. this is the peer pressure, yep. and this is why everybody just checks boxes. Mm-hmm. This is why all the doctors. As a quick aside. All the doctors that went along with the coof, the same thing. Hey, I got a lifestyle to maintain. You know what I'm saying? What you, you want me to take a stand? I don't think so. Except you know for saying? my it's friend expected. Mo Fax didn't do that. Because you got to be able to live with yourself. Yep. You see what I'm saying? But that's the thing. Like, real estate agents is another one. You can't pull up to the <laughs> exactly. house trying to sell a car. I mean, <laughs> trying to sell a house and a, you know what I'm saying, and a, and a, 89 give me a 98 camry that can't happen you gotta have a nice you know what I'm saying? i was wondering what, what car you'd come up with <laughs> yeah i mean yeah because you gotta have a certain you see it all the time on the road you're know saying the realtor license plates and the little bit of magnetic on the door you know because you had to look the call and look the part yep you know you have to look the part and this is why i said 
when he said that bread and butter thing, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was it. Bell, I know what bread and butter mean. Podcasting mm-hmm. is my bread and butter right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Now I have some auxiliary things going on. You know what I'm saying? The, you know, the, you know what I'm saying? I ain't a fool. You know what I'm saying? But when you say that, that that stood out to me because I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is celebrity life. You gotta and you really gotta go harder when you're down. Yeah. Cause you can't you can't give any you know what I'm saying? Um, inkling of a fall off. Oh no, you can't. Once you fall off, yep, done. Um, and maybe now you just you just gave me another conspiracy to analyze. Maybe this would be the excuse for the fall off. Like you know, hey, they took they took. You know what I'm saying? They won't let me act in no movies. You know what I'm saying? And then you'll be a heroic figure to bounce back. Ooh, well that's that's another. America loves a great comeback. We do. We I mean, love when comebacks. Will come back, oh, when we, Will come back. Oh, no doubt about it. When Will come back, because he's coming back. Oh, yeah. Now, will he come back like the Black Mamba and Kobe <laughs> after you know what I'm saying, after the rape charge and get some tats, maybe a face tat, you know what I'm saying, be Trill, Trill Smith, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, you know, <laughs> you know, that I can see him playing the, the character he plays in the DC comics, like him taking on that persona. You know of the bad boy yeah. um but he, there's there's gonna be a second there's gonna be a second act to this trust oh, me oh, oh, oh. Trust no, I'm, I'm with you on that i'm with you we'll, and we'll be around for it too and, and well it might be a third act because i think where i'm going with this is he had hit rock bottom right yeah he has the appeal but doesn't have the money so he's floating around hollywood and they're like oh okay you're down in your luck huh we can basically use you any way we want to, and That's we know how, how Will. That's how we knew what we knew what Will first acting like big acting role was. You know, outside of you know, saying Fresh Prince, that was when he played had to play that gay role, and that had people you know, saying look at him side eye because that was like a in uh, six degrees of separation. That was very that was very for the time to play that role. That was very. Uh, Pushing the boundaries. Pol- polarizing, maybe? Well, not even that. It sh- I'll say this. It shifted the Overton window. Because mm-hmm. even Denzel, he got, you know what I'm saying, like, people like, oh, I'm not sure about you in Philadelphia, you know, with uh, with the gay guy that had right, AIDS. Right, right, right. And so for a young black rapper to play that role, that shifted the whole Overton window. And Will's kind of been that figure to shift it, you know, to open marriage, to feral kids to you know what I'm saying like he's been this guy to push these boundaries and I'm just wondering is this the same case so let's get back to the story time of uh, Will Smith part 2 so I was like laying around and my girlfriend was like dude we're not doing this like you're not just gonna be laying around this house all day you're gonna go do something I was like what what I'm supposed to do? Go where people is is doing it. Where, where people doing it? Go to the Arsenio Hall show. Just go stand around at the Arsenio Hall show. Yes. That's stupid. So I went to the Arsenio Hall show <laughs> and I met a dude named Benny Medina. And Benny Medina is oh, no. real life. Benny Medina? Ah, uh, I'm glad I knew you would know. How did I know you would know him? Oh my goodness! Benny Medina is a is one of the scammiest producers ever in Hollywood. 
I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Benny Medina. I hear that name like, oh, no, not Benny. You don't know this story. I do not. I don't think so. It's not a... I, mm-hmm. I cherish the fact that I got I got one over on you, man. In Hollywood, you're like you're the Hollywood guy. So, oh, uh, I know Medina. you know names. So please, okay. we can continue to clip, and you can tell me your Benny Medina story <laughs> as you hear how him and Will quote unquote bumped into each other. Okay. And I met a dude named <clears throat> Benny Medina. And Benny Medina is the real life Fresh Prince of Bel Air, except he actually went from Watts to Beverly Hills. Same basic concept, way shorter distance. I meet Benny and he pitches me the idea for this show and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not an actor. I'm like, cool. And he says, hey, you know, I want you to meet Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones is producing with me. So I find myself at Quincy's and it's actors and artists and celebrities and politicians, like everybody's at Quincy's house. It's like the whiz without the costume. So Benny walks me in and introduced me to Quincy and like, hey Q, what's up, man? He's like, hey man, you know, I saw your music videos. I love, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Tell me your rap name again. So they call me the Fresh Prince. All right, good. That's what we're gonna call the show. And he handed me a screenplay for a failed Morris Day pilot. Like, I don't have the time. So I need you to do this. I need you to go ahead, take a few minutes, take 10 minutes, study the script, and I'm gonna clear all the stuff out the living room, and we're gonna have everybody sit down in the living room. We're gonna do an audition. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it's happened to bump into him, huh? I, I forgot. I forgot all about Benny Medina. Yeah, there's nothing but there's nothing but weird stories about him. It sounds like and you correct me if my because I've never been to Hollywood and I never plan to go to Hollywood. Um, but it sounds like the Arsenio Hall show, people were just kind of like floating around looking to be discovered or you know what I'm saying this is pre-internet folks so you mm-hmm, gotta remember mm-hmm. that you know what I'm saying for the younger listeners there's no hopping there's no social media so you gotta get out there like his girlfriend told him you gotta get to where the celebrities are and it seems like to me the Arsenio Hall show was just kind of like hey come down and you might get on but the reason why I remember this it was a Martin episode where uh Tommy Davidson played uh, uh people gonna kill me for LaVar La- 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 Lavelle Lavelle it was like a uh, uh, Arsenia Hall type of character, and it was like, "Just come on out," you know what I'm saying, and then we'll get you on. Is that how these things work? Well, okay. So Benny Medina, Arse- let's just say Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall, um, you know this, but I, only because I think that this is where you're going. Arsenio Hall uh, definitely has some gay rumors swirling around him. You, you which would say. fit in with Benny Medina, which would fit in with Eddie Murphy, which would fit in a lot with a lot of black men uh, who I believe are on the down low in uh, Hollywood and music because it's just mm-hmm. unacceptable for the for the quote unquote community. Was 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 oh was I'm that's sorry that's why I said was that Chris yes. Green, yes Will Smith shifted that Overton window. Because he was doing right. a lot of weird stuff, and everybody was kind of looking the other way about, it. like, "Oh, that's just Will being Will. Oh, that's just you know, just just putting it out there." So, and this has incredible stigma, or had incredible stigma amongst black black male Americans. No, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I said, nobody, everybody, nobody, nobody really talks about that movie Six Degrees of Separation. But that was, that was a weird movie, and there was another weird movie that not, even people talk about less was called Made in America. And it was about Whippy Goldberg 
<clears throat> she played a black woman that was impregnated by Ted Danson mm-hmm. through artificial insemination, and she had a test tube baby. Right. And Will Smith helped her daughter find out who her real dad was. It was, like I said, a lot of foreshadowing uh, in these earlier movies. And Will was dead center of it. So how do you just show up? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to call the show. You're just going to have a 10-minute uh, <laughs> audition, and we're going to give you a show on NBC. And it only took them five minutes to audition. Hey, now. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, show story time three. He had movers that could reset his furniture. I was like, this dude is real. So it goes out tells everybody, come on, come on, come on. And I was like, hey, Q, hold up, man, hold up. I'm not ready to do no audition. And he said, oh, all right, all right. Uh, well, what you need? Tell me what you need. Just set the meeting for a week and I could do it. He said, yeah, yeah, you know, Brandon Tartikoff, the head of NBC, is out there. I'll get him to schedule for next week. And then you know what's going to happen? Something going to come up and then he's going to have to reschedule. Oh, yeah, yeah. So three, so three weeks from now, Q, we can do it three weeks from now. I said, yeah, 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 three weeks from now be good. Or you could take 10 minutes right now and you can change your life forever. And I was like, f*** it then. Yes, give me 10 minutes. I said yes, and I let it rip. And I got to the end, and everybody is clapping. Quincy looks at Brandon Tartikoff, the head of NBC. Did you like it? And Brandon said, yeah, yeah, I liked it. Quincy said, no, did you like it? And he's like, yeah, I like it. He's like, good. You're his lawyer. Draw me up something right now. Damn. Quincy ordering other people's lawyers around. <laughs> like, that's his lawyer, Quincy. Leave that man alone. And Quincy turned to me and he was like, hey, Will, you got a lawyer? Quincy, I'm broke. If I had a lawyer taking 5%, he'd owe me money right now. He was like, all right. And he turned to his assistant. He was like, get Will a lawyer. Quincy had been drinking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, how I go down, huh? Well, I I've sat with Quincy for an hour. Uh huh. Never told you the story. I, you, you said you had interaction with him, but you never went into details. Oh. I was curious about what would come what would come of this show. Well, I'm like, I didn't know if your phone was gonna ring like, like, no. like hey. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I'd actually I'd love to talk to, to Quincy again because you know, uh he has hearing aids. I think he has the same kind as mine. I just want to know mm-hmm. about his settings, you know. I'd like to share because he's in, I see him in the studio listening to a track uh with the hearing aids and just wondering how he how he gets anyway. Years ago I was doing a Sunday night live a coast-to-coast radio show called Hitline USA, and we'd have a guest on. And the whole hour, in this case, was Quincy. He was in studio. It was a it was a cool ass uh, uh, studio, uh, big room, just the two of us at a small table, two mics, two headphones, uh, very dim lighting. And uh, he came in, and he had a bottle of Latour Chateau de Latour. I don't know what that is. Fifteen hundred bucks a bottle is what that is. And he said, let's drink. Let's have a good time. And uh, so I later, now I had a great time. Uh, and I, I remember starting off by saying, uh, uh, Quincy, Mr. Jones, we said, call me Q. Uh, you have produced everyone from Lena Horne to Fresh Prince to, to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to the TV show. And that, and mm-hmm. so that conversation, but we got so drunk on this, this, this wine is really some awesome stuff. And later I heard that Quincy had a drinking problem. <laughs> so I felt kind of bad that I had kind of enabled him. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it just it put it in a little bit of different light. So when I hear um, Will Smith at the end say Quincy had been drinking, I think he had a serious drinking problem. 
like like real serious. Right. Now he's still hey, whatever he's doing, he's doing right. Now he didn't do <laughs> he got twenty two girlfriends and, and uh Yeah, exactly. Um so still doing the thing. That's that's just a, a little bit of extra info. But no, I think he's I think he's uh he's a a non drinking alcoholic now. I think I think he's out as uh as as being uh on the wagon. The but the funny thing is the way this plays out is the holly weird <laughs> one-on-one textbook of how these Hollywood parties go. Oh, you know what I'm saying? And, and like, that's it's know, completely the way it is. And for him to be yelling in, in the music meetings with Brandon Tart. Now, Tartikoff was NBC Universal. But exactly. The, but the, uh, and he's dead now, I think. But the, um, the music business, so where Quincy came from, very, I mean, that's exactly it. It's all, the first thing is, lawyer, deal, blah. It's always, lawyers, deal, blah. Once you've got someone right away, they and they draft the contracts in the meeting. No one gets to think about it for a second. You stay in this room. We'll draft something. We'll finalize later. Don't worry. Everything will be fine. Which of course it never is. Quincy That's Jones also uh, Suge Knight type of stuff. Well, like, yeah. sign the deal. You're saying yes. like right now. That's you're, that's the business. That's the business. That's the business. Uh, so I think we start at three. We have yep. four now. Yep. All right, four. Quincy had been drinking. Yeah, no, it's probably obvious from the story, but he had been tasting. He, he had wet his beak a little bit that night. Yeah, so the lawyers go out in the limo, and they're drawing up the first deal for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Quincy is, like, popping up at the window. No paralysis, do analysis. No paralysis, do analysis. <laughs> like, how did he make Thriller like this? So we got the lawyers draw up something. Ken Hurts looked it over for me, Brandon Tartikoff, and... We took a picture and we signed the, the, the basic deal for the Fresh Prince. Yeah. And three months later, we were shooting the pilot. And that's the story of how I became the Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> so the moral of the story is always say yes. And I guess listen to your girlfriend. And always have your own lawyer who you trust. Always say yes and always listen to your girlfriend, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, that's the moral of the story. All right. Thanks, the, brother. That's the moral of the story. There you go. That's it. That ain't, that ain't the moral of my story. Yep. This is, this is why we're value for value because you ain't get me in no limos signing no deals. That. I don't think so. <laughs> no. No. Do not sign deals in limos. Always call me first, Mo. Never let that happen. <laughs> but when you do it, you get new money. I like brand new money. I just I don't want any money around me. It's not... I'd almost rather have a, a new one than a brand than an old twenty. Now, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. You like hundred dollar bills? Oh yeah, I like oh. new money too. Oh, most beautiful thing on earth is a hundred dollar bill. I hadn't seen a woman as good looking as a hundred dollar bill. There's something about a hundred dollar bill that excites you. Well, the new money of the day is Bitcoin, and we accept it. We accept it through the value-for-value value system, which is built right into Podcasting 2.0. And I should say, if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, or you're clearly outdated. You need to get a brand-new podcast app. This show has transcripts. You can search. You can go back. In. We have an entire archive now. You can go and find stuff, find what episode it was, click, click, click. You get exactly that clip or that that thing we were talking about. It has chapters with images, so you can quickly go back and forth. You can share stuff, and you can support the show directly right from the app uh, with Boosts, which uh, is kind of like a, a YouTube super chat. You can add a message to it. 
Uh, a lot of people boosting, some people, you don't have to add a message, and many people do, so I'm going to read a couple of those for you right now. We kick it off with uh, my partner in crime over there at Podcasting 2.0, Dave Jones, who comes in with 150,000 Satoshis, which is a nice little uh, donation amount for, uh, for a, for a boostogram, and he has a question. And this question, he actually asked me what you would think of this. I said, man, you got to ask Mo this question. Because uh, someone we know used this term uh, on social media uh, in, mm-hmm. in a general conversation, and he wanted to know your take. I'll read verbatim. Mo, what is your, use, your take on the use of the term blacks in general conversation? It seems to be a term that is fine almost all the time until some linguistic ammunition is needed. Then it's suddenly a sign that someone is a closet racist. Your thoughts? I don't see a problem with blacks uh the blacks uh can we use it jokingly the gays and right this, yeah to, to address uh this media created community uh or way of thinking that's why i think you come in a problem with blacks i mean like they always talk to black voters the hispanic voters i don't see any problem with it well i mean, I mean it, you, it, you, but, but so that, yeah. that's i think that's very interesting what you said so the blacks i get it because that you know and we say that as a joke and some right. people some people we know say it because they just are 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 old <laughs> but but we know that it's not meant out of out of racism but saying uh black americans uh, black voters, black drivers, black whatever it is, that's okay. But it, but we have a specific instance where blacks, plural blacks, mm-hmm. that was deemed incredibly racist, and, and uh, someone, a friend of ours, got uh, deplatformed over it. Well, I mean, uh, Kanye got kicked off of Instagram for saying "coon" to well, another black man. <laughs> so I mean, like, right. the, the, like it's the deplatforming. Is the wild wild west? I don't know what guidelines they use for that, but so yeah, I, I, like I said, I have, I'll have to see the whole statement. But the quote, quote quote unquote blacks. I mean, what's the difference between that Hispanics or gays? Thank you. And when you put the the in it, that that that's illustrates a community or, or way of thinking. That that's the way I see it. Okay, thank you. That, that answers it. And uh, if you ha- if anyone else has questions, please be uh, like Dave. Send us one hundred fifty thousand sats. We will answer. <laughs> Chad Farrow, 33,333. Dave Ackerman with 10,000, value for value. That was for episode 80. He does that a lot. We appreciate it. 3690 from Cass Peeland. Aroa Ducks from Letter 6173. And says, Mo is an inspiration, should be celebrated for the unique individual he is. Well, I think we do. And then uh, two boosts from Clued, uh, together over 30,000 sats. And here is the message. Hey, Mo and Adam, I made a book club website for you. Oh. This would probably be a separate page on an already existing MoFax.com, but couldn't wait. So I whipped this up with two recommendations that I've heard, and I'm willing to add plenty more. The website can be found at, hold on a second, let me get this here. I haven't actually looked at this website, at mfbc.card.co. That's not easy to remember. Hold on. So what he's suggesting is maybe we put this as a part of the regular website. Let me see what this looks like for a I'll second. I'll take a look. Just send me the link. and uh, Yeah, I will send we can see. Yeah, because like a lot of stuff we reference, uh, I'm sure people are like, what do you say? What? And they can go and catch up on it. And then like a lot of times uh, you'll mention books. So we'll hear books mentioned in uh, clips. It'll be a good place to track those. 
Yeah, so this is, oh, it's cool. It's a nice little page. The MoFax Book Club, all the recommended books from Mo and the Fax Fam in one place. Download links will be provided where available. Recommendations, blah, blah, blah. So he's got War Against the Week, Edwin Black up there, mm-hmm. and the autobiography of Malcolm X, as told by Alex Haley. Those are good two good starters. Is and we got to get some seven habits up there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we like this idea. These things are always fantastic. Um, so I will send this uh, link off to Mo, and you all can uh, coordinate. But we'd, I think we'd love it if you would uh, continue to do that. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. And that is, uh, that's our booster. Let me see that all. I think that's all our boostergrams. Uh, yes, that's all of the boostergrams. Uh, thanks, everybody, for just boosting. People also often boost 50,000 sats with no message. So that's always appreciated. Um, and uh, we look forward to a lot more of these coming our way for episode 82. For a modern podcast app, go to, get ready, newpodcastapps.com. Today, I'm going to recommend Fountain. That might be one you would enjoy using. So Fountain is still in the lead. That's Fount- the one I got. Fount- I'm just making sure yep. this is, is, in, which is okay. Yes. I just want to make well, we sure got, we need to keep. Yeah, no, we got them. We got, we got Fountain, uh, Castomatic. That's iOS only. Also high in the lead. We've got uh, Podverse. Now Podverse is getting up there too. So, uh, But all of them are, are good for different reasons. Try, try a couple of them. They're free to try for sure. Newpodcastapps.com. And again, you can always support us directly by going to mofax.com. Uh, we appreciate everything that you return in value. We just need more of it to keep the show going. So please, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E dot com, Mofummy dot com. Thank you, all of you, for boosting for no agenda, no agenda, for boosting with MoFax with Adam Curry. <laughs> Episode 81. And no agenda, too. Why you at it? <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Mo. <laughs> all right. And I just want to say for people, we understand money's tight. Baby formula is hard to find. Gas is four fifty. You know what I'm saying? If you're lucky, we uh, we get it. But you know, uh, maybe you want to drop that uh, subscription you have or something and start one with us. So I mean, like I said, I just want to make sure that we know the facts feeling gonna come through. So no doubt about it. But just a reminder. Uh, Indeed. Yep. So I just want to make that reminder. Speaking of which, now we got Quincy. Jo- I have Quincy Jones' side of the story. Of how Fresh Prince Ooh, became uh, okay. the Prince of Bel Air. I had this this multimedia company had just started Vibe Magazine, uh, which was uh, Steve Vibe. said that uh, he was getting uh, heat for synergy and so forth, and they helped him to see what the other things how we could mix things up. And I said, well, I've got a good idea for magazines. I don't know much about magazines. Quincy Jones of the Hip Hop Magazine with Time Warner. So what a ridiculous idea. And in five paragraphs, he turned it around of let's get started tomorrow on it. And it worked. You know, it uh, became the Hip Hop Magazine. You know, it's Betty Medina from Warner. At that time, he was the head of uh, black music at uh, Warner Brothers. And he kept telling me about this story that occurred with an old friend of mine that when I was living in Paris. So that was the genesis of it. And that idea we liked, you know. And so at 6 o'clock, we, we were doing, um, had a, still having a meeting with Warren Littlefield and Brandon Tartikoff. And Benny was out in the other room. So he finally called Benny in to just explain, to explain his life. It was really his life story, you know. And so in eight minutes, we made the pitch. And at 11 o'clock, Warren Littlefield called me up and said, we like this. We showed him Will, you know, and uh, in a video. And uh, 
Uh, they called at 11 o'clock and says, we're buzzed. Tomorrow you have to speak to 700 sponsors to tell them that you father seven kids and that Will, the rapper, is not dangerous. Like Will, anybody can imagine Will Smith being dangerous, but they would, you know, it's the first time a rapper had ever been. This is, they haven't done movies or anything then and didn't really believe that uh, uh, the rap was going to happen. And I remember Michael Jackson telling me that, that this rap is dead, you know. Hmm. That's what I'm talking about. That was that safe. I remember, like I said, it's it's so pivotal that show, and that was the making of Fresh Prince. The same with Martin. Uh, that was those two. They invaded television around the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, with a new, it wasn't the Cosby Show. It was something different. Um, uh, it was a very even take black out of it, just like rap, like as a sub genre seeing a hip-hop star have a major television show mm -hmm. that was a very that was a, a big you deal. knew where you were going to be at monday eight o'clock because yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tuesday when you got to school you know you're going to do the psh, you know what i'm saying like all the little the handshake everything everything was going to um going to be talked about and i think it's kind of hard for other people to understand now that we live in the on demand uh experience you know when you everybody yeah, it, it, it was it was uh, at the same time it was must see tv that's was exactly what it was you had to yeah, see it, was, it. it you had to see it and it was a good show it wasn't and just saying good morals to it at the same time um but it was the that was like the boule showing how the boule will recruit family members and this is a real thing where it's like, oh, young, talented, bright person, maybe from a hard upbringing. Let's bring them in. My dad offered, you know, saying this to like, you know, saying family members and our and our family. You know, like come live with us, get on right. your feet. You know, come to mm -hmm. the city. It wasn't on a scale like money wise, but you living in a place with not many opportunities. We're living here somewhere with opportunities. Come live with us. I've had so many cousins and uncles and aunts and whatever else share a room mm -hmm. uh because that's what you did so that 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 was how it was different from the cosby's that was you know it covered that spectrum of economics mm -hmm. uh and that's why it was magical now quincy jones mentioned something about the vibe magazine the vibe magazine had Quincy Jones brought so much to the table. <laughs> I mean, you talk about thriller and everything else, but the Vibe magazine may be one of his biggest, but least talked about accomplishments. I think you it was. Had the I, think, I think it was actually uh, around the launch of Vibe that that was the context of my interview with him. I'm just thinking now. It, it, it makes sense because so many pivotal events. Barack Obama's big first cover was the Vibe. Yeah, uh, they brought him to us. And it really started the East Coast, West Coast beef yeah. between Tupac and Biggie from the vibe. I mean, that was like what it made it really public. And I have Tretch here. Mamas, cover your baby's ears because Tretch, you know what I'm saying, Tupac's friend from uh, Not Of My Nature. Uh, he, he, you're saying he, he's loose with the words, so just be, be warned. But this is Tretch on the vibe causing the East Coast, West Coast beef. When you got that motherfucking vibe magazine, right? When you see Big and Puff on the cover, East versus West. When I saw that fucking cover, I said, man, what the fuck is going on? 
Gangsters don't read articles. Niggas on the East Coast like, yo, it's on. Wait till them West Coast niggas come out here. West Coast like, oh, it's on. Wait till them East Coast niggas come out here. So it baited up a whole shit that fucking went down that had just so many cycles of all Biggie followers and riders, all Pac riders, motherfuckers that didn't even know neither one of them, gangster ass motherfuckers, it could have really turned into a motherfucking East Coast, West Coast war. Oh, I didn't know this. I didn't know that uh, that Vibe magazine was the genesis of this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, could that article... That yeah. was, I mean, it was innuendo. There was songs. There was uh, Who Shot You by Biggie. You know what I'm saying? But this was really when it was made public of the beef. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It was very a lot of subliminals. So the vibe had a big role to do with that. And at the same time, people got to remember, that's when the Me and Man March was going on. When black oh, men were trying yeah. to take control of their yeah. identities. Oh, all of a sudden, there it was. Comes. There it was. <laughs> Let's make the black men look uh, bad. Exactly. Are uh, you going to wait a minute? Are you, is this show going to end with me not liking Quincy Jones? Uh, bro, I, this show is going to end high ends. So. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your own adventure. But uh, Quincy, quick. Uh, Let's just go ahead and uh, get into Quincy's second part about the Fresh Prince. Will was at the, what happened was Will was, uh, we were out doing Back on the Block. I had the whole group out there. We had four rappers and an ice tea and all the guys and and uh, the, the gospel choir, Tevin Campbell, everybody. We had done our senior hall show. And while we were out there, uh, Benny Medina came by to see the show. And I think Will asked him, Got to, for directions or something, how to get to the forum. <laughs> he took his number, you know. Uh, then in the process, you know, we got Andy and Susan Borkowitz, uh, Borowitz, rather. Uh, the, the family was changed to a bougie black family, which made it much stronger. Got the great, great, great uh, cast right away, you know, right away. Just, it stuck like glue, you know, and it's either right or something. And we want to air in 10 weeks after the pitch. Ten weeks, no time for paralysis or analysis. Nobody time for notes and all that junk. You know, just did it. I did a couple of. Uh, I, I did a cameo on, on Fresh Prince with little little Richard, Richard Pennyman. We're both the same age. <laughs> well, it it was the impact. I think was the combination of uh, you know the uh, uh, both sides of the economic strata. You know, of the black community. You know, which is glaring. You know, I mean that, that that gives you a premise for every every episode. When you got one from Philadelphia, they got thrown out of the fam- out of the house. It was too much trouble to come out here with his bourgeois family, and and every every move he makes, you know, is is is, is a scene for entertainment, you know, and for conflict. Yes, it's right. Conflict is great. Q. <laughs> funny yeah. conflict is funny. Yeah, and. Just be honest, it did broach a lot of uh a lot of interesting topics. Uh as far as um like one of the pivotal scenes in show Will Smith's acting abilities when about the deadbeat father. Uh that was one that is etched in the collective conscience of when he was like, Why he don't want me, Uncle Phil? And then he cried. So it was the good with the bad. But I gotta say, like 
Quincy Jones, he's at the center of a lot of stuff and, and, and doing this research on this Will Smith show uh, and what I knew about his previous past, it's like, you know Tupac, you know Will Smith, and you know Jada. What's yeah. going on? I'm like, yeah. like, <laughs> whoa, you know what I'm saying? Like, hold on, that's too, that's too many coincidences. And, and involved in production of, uh, of the award show. Uh-huh. And, and like I said, so let's go ahead and get into uh, 37. You've been nothing but true. Now, Cutie 3, I know you've had, you had a very um, important relationship with Tupac. Mm-hmm. Why do you think, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't understand the genius that he was and thought of him as dumb in a lot of ways or maybe ignorant, a little too violent. Why do you think that that's the case? I would say that Tupac was probably the smartest artist that I've met in terms of the full range, in terms of politics, you know, personal relationships, and, you know, scholastically, what have you, just reading. Um, but I also feel like, to some degree, he dumbed down to sort of let his audience know in some ways that he was relatable and not to say that his audience was dumb but he was putting on a facade to, to relate to them in a better way you know what I mean with the whole death row persona and all that yeah. and then he was probably three to four months away from turning all that around and it's sort of what KRS did with his first album he had the Uzis on the cover and then the very next album he became the teacher so Pac was about to do that turn around and say okay now that I've got the demographic that needs the help the most I'm going to turn around and teach them certain things yeah. and I think that on Unfortunately, it was just cut short, but he he had so much in the pipeline that people don't know about. I mean, he was so well-read. He would read each book two, three times in a row and ask a bunch of people questions about the book, so he really learned it, you know? So I think he was ready to unleash a lot of that in his political thoughts and, and power and all that kind of stuff, and just unfortunately got cut short, you know? And, and, you know, to some degree, fame is also a drug, so maybe he got caught up in that a little bit, but I think he was probably literally four to five months away from a turnaround and becoming a man and becoming in the leader that he was and he was born into the black panthers and sort of raised to be the next leader yeah we can't have that so yeah that doesn't sound like something we need can't have a can't have tupac changing his tune becoming a so black leader and it seems like quincy had his thumbs on both spectrums of hip-hop where will smith at one extreme and then tupac at the other extreme and they both were under his thumb in a way. Yeah, he already had a, a a good wholesome guy. He didn't need another one, right? So you got to have this other. You're saying, like you said, it's, it's you controlling both ends, both polar opposites of each just, other. Just one other thing I'd like to say about Fresh Prince of Bel Air, because you gave us your perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew where you were Monday night, eight o'clock. Uh, so did I. But we were there for different reasons. We didn't we didn't view Fresh Prince the way you did. Uh, to us, it was, uh, and and of course, this was made for white audiences. Yes, it was. You know, it was for all audiences. But <laughs> this is NBC. Brandon Tartikoff. I mean, this, the, it was a huge hit. You, you're not a huge hit unless you bring in white audiences, just like hip hop, basically. Uh, at least uh, when it's charting and on the radio. Um. And I think for white audiences, for me, of just trying to think back and remember, I was like, wow, you know, that's really good to see that there's very successful black people. Right. What it did was it was the safe space between a Martin and a Bill Cosby, a Cosby show. 
because you had the rich family, i.e. the Cosby's, but then you had the hip hop vibe of a mark. So it was right. it was the perfect. It was safe. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was a safe spot, and we would get up to his shenanigans, but he wasn't. Well, not unquote, well, that, well, is, not just yeah. safe, but what 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 Quincy sees and what Quincy says very accurately is it. You have this conflict, and that conflict is where ratings live. Yes. I think, you know, I don't know if, if we're going to find out how political and uh, boule Quincy is in this regard, but from a ratings perspective, a television production's perspective, is the dream. It's the dream. Every producer would see that as a dream. Yeah, it's the dream, like I said, and, and it shaped uh, uh, my mind as a, as, as a young person watching the show. So let's go ahead and get into. What can, let me ask you: How did it shape yeah. your what? What? What was your takeaway from as a young young person watching the show? Will was cool. I mean, he was good, but still cool. You had you had these people like it was like a predecessor, like Kanye. It was a uh, you had Dwayne Wayne with Dwayne uh, Wayne over it on a different world, also a yeah, NBC product yeah, yeah, yeah. of these people you could identify with. Uh, but Will was cool because he had, like I said, he had the Jordans on and the back yeah, of his hat, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know it would, and he would have certain Queen Latifah was on, and the stars, the the cameos was the real thing. You had Donald Trump. Uh, Chris Rock, um, yeah, yeah, Cam- uh, yeah, yeah, uh, no, Cameo- Hilly, yeah, 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 cameos uh, was the thing. Yeah. Tevin Campbell, yeah, which that's a whole another story for another. Day with <laughs> oh man, yes. uh, well, I'm not gonna, <laughs> but you, you had all these things, and then you had, um, like I said, you had Carlton, which was so corny it made Will look cool. It, and what a sad story, Carlton just he never got out of that role. No, Ever. that's the thing. That's the thing. You once you get stuck there, yeah. But the question is, do you? Would you rather have that type of fame or no fame at all? I can't answer that question. I'm not into fame, but as an actor, I mean, he has his own dance <laughs> for crying out loud. So yeah. I work with him on Circus of the Stars, and man, he was just entertaining everybody backstage. He was singing, dancing, tapping, but just everything. That's that safe. Like I said, that's that safe. And, and that was just backstage. That was just for, for people on the show. You know, he was, he, he was just kind of that guy, like always full of energy, not acting. <laughs> what you saw on Fresh Prince, that's him. That's that weird spot to get put in because that's that yeah. Wayne Brady lane. Yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. and, and <clears throat> you, it's sad to say, but you can't smile like that. You can't laugh like that. It's because people think like you're a pushover. Mm. And I think that's what led Will to be taken that way. And it's like, oh, y'all gonna respect me today. You know what I'm saying? Kind of thing right. as far as. You know the way he tried to saying change his image, and that's why I think that you're going to keep my wife's name out your mouth. That was that was that was like y'all playing with me. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. don't play with me. So okay, so I think we started at thirty seven. We're thirty eight. Thirty eight now. Oh, let's go ahead and get thirty eight. Okay, this is Quincy Jones on Tupac, and he was born into the Black Panthers and sort of raised to be the next leader. Yeah. So he was ready for it and he knew. Where do you think he lost his way on that? Or do you think he lost his way at all? Connected with the culture, I think. He knows his sister and my daughter, he died in her arms in Las Vegas. Yeah. She was engaged to him. 
And he used to write her letters like Lord Byron. Incredible. I remember reading a, a one poem of his, and in fact, I recited it on Rose That Came From Concrete, uh, Starry Eyes, by, about Vincent Van Gogh. But Jada Pinkett was his first girlfriend in Baltimore. Triple A student, you know, but it's not hip to be. It's not hip to be smart, you know, and that's got to go. Because it's a joke. I didn't know that uh, Tupac died in his daughter's arms. Uh huh. Yeah. What are the chances? He had control of both poles of hip hop. Jeez. The safest and the most radical. And it, go, it gets work. I get we gets more interesting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I want to now. We got to get into. But wait a minute. He had yeah. J, also Jada Pinkett Smith was his first girlfriend. Is that what he said? No, that was Tupac's first girlfriend. That's what I said. Tupac's first girlfriend. Yes. Yes. Holy crap! Then this is the real issue with Will Smith. <clears throat> it's not about Chris Rock. It's not even about August Alcina. He's chasing a ghost yeah in his woman's heart and everybody knows it it's like oh he she picked you because he died oh and it makes for a hell of a control mechanism it sure so, does oh so now goodness. we gotta go to different world a Bill Cosby production yeah. which featured Tupac now why would Bill Cosby feel safe enough now we heard how much scrutiny Will Smith had to go through to get uh uh to get uh Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but Bill Cosby, Mister Pound Cake, Pull It Your Pants, allows uh Jada Pickett Smith to co-star with Tupac on his production Different World, and this is going to be an example. I think this was a reflection of what she was going through, but also. How can I put it? It showed Will Smith is being played by a guy named Dorian in this episode. You know what I'm saying? And it's going to show her struggle between wanting to be with the thug Tupac or with the safe guy Dorian, a.k.a. Will Smith. Would you slow that up? Leland's a party cool Lou. <laughs> Okay, now see. Now wait a minute. Now I know what you're trying to do, okay? It's not necessary. What you trying to say, Lena? You want to dance with somebody else, huh? Is that it? Uh, may I? Dorian. Let him go. Come on, baby. You know how fragile a male ego can be. Pick him on that now, all right? Seriously, though, Lena? You was my first love, and I can't get five minutes alone with you? One little dance? I so miss you. You know, this reminds me of our first dance together. Remember the hug? Yes, let's not go there, all right? Come on, now. A lot has changed since the last time we saw each other. I'm not the same brother you used to know. Look the same to me. Well, I'm not. I've been really getting it together. I realize the street life ain't really hitting no more. It took you this long to realize that, huh? Only Rico got smoked. I heard about that. I wanted to call, but... I sure wish you wouldn't. You was the only person I could have talked to. Why don't you call me, Pick? You know, when stuff gets that rough, you can always call me. That's why I'm here now. Gonna give me a job. 
Hook me up a crib. When you do it this college time, we can really have it going on. See, now, uh-uh, this is exactly what I was afraid of. You're not going to come down here, jump in my life, and act like everything's okay. I got an agenda. And despite what you might think, I got a man. And what that got to do with me? <laughs> nice laugh track. I mean, I know you just passing the time with the choir boy. He ain't hitting it like I was if the boy hit Choir boy. Yeah. Check this here. You weren't all that. <laughs> oh, so now you all that now that you bougie. Now what you got to Hey, is that problem? Now? Is something wrong? Squares, what you want, choir Nothing. boy? Lena told me you ain't doing the right thing. You ain't standing there with your mouth open, punk. Let your woman handle your business. What you got to do? Hey, Piccolo, man. Hey, now hey, watch your punk up on me. <laughs> they get the ball. So, okay. And that was uh-huh. Jada Pinkett Smith was the girl in this? Yes. This is with her real is, life boyfriend. This this is life imitates art, man. Yeah. So Bill Cosby was getting in on that on that cue action. It, they ran NBC, it seemed like it's with some clout. Oh, uh, Bill Cosby was incredibly powerful at NBC. Yes, what I'm saying. And then you got Q bringing in Fresh Prince, which is his own powerhouse power struggle i don't i don't know and oh, no no no, no i'm telling you right now power struggle between q and bill seriously Mm-hmm. oh definitely That's- and now i'm thinking q might have something to do with bill going to jail he even quoted saying if i tell you what me and bill used to do you know what i'm saying i would end up in you know like basically in trouble uh-huh so I I, I, I I was thinking allies, but you just opened up another. No, no, uh, I, I see this. Compu- remember, these guys are these guys are boule, and that would explain why he let Pac on his show mm-hmm. because he had to like make it rough up the image of different world, and it's kind of changed. Like different world had a different tone to it. It was more about his daughter Denise going to college, mm-hmm. but it did this pivot of like kind of recruiting all young black people of different lifestyles into college and and this is proven college admissions to uh sure a black people, it went it doubled mm-hmm. at the different world so that is life i mean imitating art but let's go ahead and get to the second part of this clip because you're going to hear i think what jada struggled with because q said she was a straight a student but they were from baltimore her and pop so I think this is like what she was struggling with the image. And I think this may lend to her, you know, being more radical compared to Will and hopping on the uh, Oscar So White bandwagon. Lena, why are you looking like that, girl? You had two fine men fighting over you. Now, you better smile. <laughs> but it's something about that piccolo. I can't put my finger on it. He's thuggish, scandalous, pimpish, gangsterish, and hooliganess. But he's so fine. Ooh. First of all, y'all need to stop talking about people that you don't even know. Ooh. What the hell are you looking at? That's all you got from this mouth almighty? Look, yo, this is her friend from Baltimore. Piccolo is yeah. not my man anymore, okay? And two, wait, don't, don't, don't you mean B? <laughs> wait, what did she say there? I didn't catch it. She said one, and then she she said A, 
And then oh, she said oh, two. Oh, you know that okay. Okay. eight and two. Yeah, 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 I got you. Piccolo is not my man anymore, okay? And two. Wait, don't, don't, don't you mean B? <laughs> And two, Charmaine and Gina are right. He acted like he always acts when he doesn't get what he wants, and that's like a Joe Hood. Uh, I can't believe this. First you leave us, you leave the crew to come to college to educate yourself. Now, I can get with that. It's cool. But then you start running around with these people like Choir Boy and these two fake females taking hey, their side. No, 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 Hold it. Hold it. Now, first of all, I'm not on anybody's side, okay? <clears throat> now, Yolanda, you're my girl, okay? Understand that I'm here just trying to get an education, all right? I'd rather be here than out on the corner doing absolutely nothing, ending up with a city job. So it's like that? I guess so. When the Lena James that I know comes back, won't you tell her to call me? And ain't nothing wrong with a city job. Hmm. All right, so that I think that's why Jada Pickett was struggling with saying choosing between Tupac and Will because it was bigger than just men. It was identity. It's like, you know, are you going to be bougie or boule? Right. I mean, bougie is just another word for boule. <laughs> Uh, Boule. So do you yeah. think do you think that somewhere in Will's programming he has to actually show he's a bad boy to be quote unquote real? Yeah, that's the struggle. I mean that, but he always failed at it, as he said in the previous clips, because he wasn't never quite black enough for black people, or it wasn't quite white enough or safe enough for white people. Or maybe he and wasn't put him th- in this- thuggish enough? Yeah, thuggish enough, yeah. Man, this is so deep. And, and you gotta think, this is that the burgeoning of gangster rap mm-hmm. and hip hop and becoming a huge commodity yeah. uh, in the early to mid 90s. So, I mean, are you gonna be jiggy with it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or are you gonna be jigger? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, which yeah, way yeah, you gonna yeah. be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, um, all right, so this is Will talking about how jealous he was of Tupac. Were you ever jealous of the love Jada had for Tupac? Uh, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I oh you my no. god, that dude! Let me like, and you know, and that was in the that was in the early days. Yeah, that was in the early days, and it was like um, that's that was a big regret for me too, because I could never, um, I could never open up to interact with with Pac. Mm-hmm. You know, and, we had a little bit of a yep. thing, right? Because you know, um, you know, they grew up together, and you know, they loved each other, but they never had that. You know, they never had a a sexual relationship. relationship yeah. But they had come into that stop, age where stop. now that was. <laughs> yeah. Name what Quincy said. That's Quincy, Quincy said that was her right. first boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm okay. We continue on the clip. I just want to yep. clarify matters. Each other, but they never had that. You know, they never had a a sexual relationship. relationship yeah. But they had come into that age where now that was a possibility. And then Jada was with me. You know, so, you know, Pac had a little thing on that, um, but she just loved him. Like, he was the image of perfection, but she was with the Fresh Prince, you know, so it was yeah, like... the image of perfection. I, I just, I never could... Was this an interview, is this Breakfast Club? Yes. And this is from when? 
This was from, I want to say, 2016, 17, somewhere around in there. Uh-huh. Well, but he just says something really critical here. She just loved him like he was the image of perfection. So Tup- yeah. Tupac was the image of perfection. That's Will speaking, not Jada. That's Will saying that. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> but All right. She just loved him like he was the image of perfection, but she was with the Fresh Prince, you know? <laughs> so it was like... I, I just, I never could, like, even we were in a room together a couple times. I couldn't speak to him, you know, and, you know, he wasn't going to speak to me if I wasn't going to speak to him. But, really? It's like know. y'all would have so much in common. No, that's what Jada would say all <laughs> yeah. the time. She right. was like, I'm telling you, y'all are so similar. You will, you will love him. And I just never, Stop. you know. <laughs> Red flag, fellas. If your woman say another man you have so much in common that was in her past, whoop, that's whoop, a huge whoop, red flag. Whoop, whoop. That's a huge red flag. Like, <laughs> I just want to just put it out there. But we can continue on the clip. <laughs> Guybird, this is Dropkick with a red dash alpha message in two parts. That's right. Really? It's like y'all have so much in common. No, that's what Jada would say all yeah. the time. She right. was like, I'm telling you, y'all are so similar. You will you will love him. And I just never, you know, that 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 was a huge regret of mine. I just didn't I couldn't I couldn't handle it, you know. I was this I was the soft rapper from Philly right. and he was Pac. Right. You well, know at least what he I didn't mean? do a diss song about you or nothing. I know, that right, exactly, awful. exactly. But yeah, no, I was <laughs> deeply, deeply um uh insecure. Um, and just, I, I wasn't man enough to handle that relationship. Ooh, okay. Now, didn't Chris Rock and Jada Pinkett Smith also have some stuff together? I don't think so. I thought there were some rumors about them when they were working together somewhere from way back when. I, 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 no, I know Mark Anthony was in, but I mean, right. I don't mm. think Chris Rock, but I think it was more of Chris Rock was the sacrificial lamb to let out all frustrations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it was yeah. like, it, he was, he, I'm going to smack you to let everybody else know stop playing with me in my name yeah, kind of thing. He embodied every everything that Will couldn't be because he was the soft, good rapper. Right. So let me pick on the weaker guy than me, Chris Rock. Who was, who was sm- smaller than him, too, significantly. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, man. Very right, glad Kristen had that book bag with that brick in it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, uh... <laughs> Uh, but now let's go back to Quincy Jones and listen to what really happened to Tupac. No, Tupac. Not to know is my daughter's fiance who was going to get married. In fact, he died in her arms, you know, with his lungs stapled up. She almost got killed on that too because Suge and Tupac were in the car. She was supposed to be sitting next to Tupac. This was in Las Vegas, right? Las Vegas, yeah. And thank God Tupac called her up and said, I just hit a crip, you know, so I'll pick you up later. And a car came by his car, a convertible, with girls in it to tempt him out of the, out of the car. And they pulled off, and a guy with a bow tie and a machine gun ah, took him out. That would have been my daughter, you know. Her car was behind him with the security, and he died in her arms. And she went through... In, within a year and a half's time, she lost Tupac. She uh, produced a, an event for my record company, Quest Records and Vibe magazine. Four minutes after that, Biggie Small got shot. He was at that thing. He got killed by the Crips. And Aaliyah, Aaliyah was just a state living at home. You know, we took her to Fiji, stated Tony Robbins' house and everything. And later she got died, got killed in that airplane accident. It was overloaded, you know. 
Wow, man. It's you. It's too much coincidence for me. Coincidence. <laughs> write that down. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, I just can't. That solves that problem. God gave that one to me, Mo. <laughs> but honestly, hold on. Now, I mean, let me break it out for people that didn't catch all that. Your daughter's supposed to be in the car with Tupac, but she doesn't, and he gets killed. Then y'all planning the party that Biggie goes to. He goes out four minutes later. He's shot and killed. And then you were hanging out in uh, in Anthony Robbins' Aaliyah. place with Aaliyah. No, Aaliyah. He flew Aaliyah down for yeah. a Vibe magazine event. Yep. Stayed at Tony Robbins' house, and then her plane gets overweighted and and uh and crashes and, and crashes. Let me explain how this in my conspiracy analyst mind how this is Quincy Jones the cleanup man. Now I just gotta ask. He removed Tupac out of Wheels way. He removes Biggie out of Jay-Z's way, and he removes Aaliyah out of Beyonce's way. Oh, that was the one I was missing. Oh. Oh, yeah. If, if, if Aaliyah goes nowhere, Beyonce is not Beyonce. Q is the original drill rap guy. He, he's the real-life Suge Knight. And don't don't get it twisted. He is a World Economic Forum member da- yeah, and yeah. frequents Davos. Yep. So don't don't think he don't get busy. We know how Davos get now. You know what I'm saying? Like they the real gangsters. Yes, <laughs> they, I'm. This is very. <laughs> this is actually upsetting to me. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not. No, but it's. I have. I put Q on such a pedestal for his work. Although Vibe magazine always bothered me, that that always bugged me. I can't. I don't. I'd have to think about it since you just brought it up in the show. But yeah. I'll, I have to go back and uh, and meditate for a bit and think about what are the things that bother me because I was there. I, I remember this whole launch. Uh, it and, was very polished. Right. It was a very. It was wasn't the source. It Wait wasn't grimy like the source. So, Aaliyah yeah. was dating Jay Z. Yes. Oh man. Which they try to say it was Dame Dash, but I think she was dating both of them. But what I'm just saying is, as far as celebrity-wise, Beyonce picked up that energy that Aaliyah had. Right, right. Jay-Z picked up the energy that Biggie had. And Will Smith cleared the way. For, this is my conspiracy analyst mind. Like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling you what pops in my head when I hear this clip and he runs it down like that. Like, yeah, I'm at the center of all this. And the thing about Quincy is he loves to talk. Yep. He drops all the, you're saying he drops it all. He don't care. So, okay. Um, all right, so. Yeah. No, 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 keep going. I'm I'm just, I'm processing. So if you don't think he's, he ain't gangster, 43. When Tupac started dating your daughter, there was a sit-down you had with him. There was no, a- no. He, he wrote something in Source magazines and stuff about this was very racist and very nasty. And uh, my daughter from Harvard, Rashida, took him out, <laughs> and she was speaking Harvard East at the end. But all my kids, I put the street in them. I made sure they had the street. You have to have the street, man. I don't care where you go, Yale, Harvard, Georgetown, whatever. The street is important. And I was born in the streets in Chicago in the '30s and. In uh, Chicago, with, with mafia yeah. every day, dead bodies every day, Tommy guns, stogies, piles of money in back rooms, like 
amazing. I wanted to be a gangster until I was 11. I did. Because, you know, you want to be what you see. You want to be what you see. And oh, for, of course, Rashida. Of course, forgot all about Rashida. Yeah. And, and I have a story here that says he was a member of the uh, Jones Boys, which was the black gangsters in Chicago. Uh, and I find it interesting. The Jones Boys? Like, like of what Joneses? Right. Uh, he had like, his own gang there? Nice. I'm asking. They don't say it specifically, but him to be Quincy Jones in the Jones Boys, was he the, the top Jones of the Joneses? Uh, well, very let, interesting. Let me say this about that. Mm-hmm. From the music business in the 80s and the 90s, which is my period, everybody was a gangster. It, this it, And I'm not talking about, you know, gangster rap. I'm talking about gangsters. These The music business is filled with gangsters. And and I'll, I'm just using that term generally, but, you know, Benny Medina fits in there. Uh, Tommy right. Mottola fits in there. Um, Motown had a guy around it that was, uh, it was a white Italian guy that would go and get the radio deals done. Oh, no, the, the, the whole, the whole, Paola, Paola, all that stuff. It, it, it was, it's always been a, it's a gangster business. That's, that's why, you know, because it was. Ain't nothing new under the sun, I guess. <laughs> but, but, you know, when you think about Quincy Jones's background, yeah, I mean, you grow up that way. You've got certain values that are embedded in your mind and maybe, uh, you know, eliminating someone is uh, is quite normal in his in his, and you do not survive all those years without two things: incredible success and incredible power. And the two are not necessarily uh, always tied together. And Quincy Jones has been the gingerbread man throughout it all. He's the he's almost made it. I gotta give him his credit. He's almost made it unscathed you know uh until mo facts with adam thing. curry came along and exposed him quick q listen i don't want no smoke you know what I'm saying? hey i just follow <laughs> where the clues lead me okay uh that's and, all and we're happy to talk to him if you'd like to expand no problem yeah uh wine so, on me wine on me this time q no problem <laughs> uh so i know people may say this is a stretch what do you talk about mo quincy jones Taking out Tupac for Will, 44. You to prove yourself over and over, and he can never be Tupac. Well, Kevin, you're over-exaggerating this Tupac thing. Really? Uh-huh. Dear, dear Tupac, I know you are alive someplace. I think my mommy really misses you. Can you please come back? Can you come back so me and my mommy can be happy? I wish you were here. I really do. Willow. Whoa. What? Willow. Tupac got killed in what, 95, 96? Willow never met Tupac. Why is this little girl writing a letter to Tupac? Why is Will Smith's daughter writing a letter to Tupac? Does the timeline fit here, Mo? What's that? Is Willow uh, Tupac's no, child? What <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. No, I know I'm what saying, saying that Jada is talking to her daughter about how Tupac made of her happy. Of course, of course. That's enough to kill over in my book. As a father, 
I'm just oh saying. Oh my god. We you know, okay. Right. All right. So he, the things I've learned from this episode. One. Always be prepared when when Mo does a show. Alcohol might be necessary when your heroes are destroyed <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Two. Uh Will Smith is a man who needs help from men as fast as possible. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it can be done. He needs deprogramming. He needs help. He needs someone to open his eyes and to show him what's going on. Uh, three. Um, holy crap. This is almost as bad as just how, how I mean, this is ultimate abuse. And, 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 and Quincy Jones has been a part of this throughout the ages. Uh, this, using the, the center, the, uh, the center of it. Uh, I'm just—he said he was a gangster. I'm, I'm just telling you, and and he's made made no bones about it, pun intended. Uh, about being a gangster, he'll say every interview. It always goes back to gangster, gangster, Chicago being a gangster. So the so the slap heard around the world um, was probably nothing more than. You know, decades, decades of Will Smith being suppressing feelings, thoughts, uh, issues, uh, psychological stuff, and he he just you know it just snapped, or he could be handled to snap, be 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 owned to be made to snap. Well, I'm you know I can only imagine seeing some of those videos which you didn't play the clips from, but I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a lot more verbal stuff that Jada was was throwing out there. And at that moment, you know, I could even I can even see where Will Smith is so b- blinded with rage over previous issues surrounding his relationship with with Jada that you know Chris Rock might have he's black enough to look like Tupac's black. You know what I'm saying? I mean. <laughs> Seriously, it, it, don't you think that you just like you go blind with rage and you just see a, a black man and it, it's like that's I think Tupac. it was the laughter, the laughter. Oh, I think, I think oh, it was the laughter. The for laughter me. that did it. Yeah, the laughter for me. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that's enough. No, you're right. You no, go crazy. no, no. It was d- double laughter. The laughter about the joke. Then when he slapped him, there was laughter. Like what I gotta do to get some respect around? And that's here. and that's when he threw out the keep my wife's name out your effing mouth. That's an excellent point, Adam. That's an excellent point. The laughter, the double laughter, the double laughter. Holy mo! Okay, well, thanks, Mo. This is this is uh, now I have something to talk to the kids about. <laughs> you want to know what's up? Look, come up on Grandpa's knee. Let me tell you about Tupac. Let me tell you about Will Smith. Let me tell you what's really going on. Too many coincidences for me. Q incidences indeed. <laughs> Q incidences. Mo, thank you. Thank you so much for this. That that this is I've been waiting for this one. I had no idea it was going. And uh, and I'm even more baffled at the end. Uh, but have clarity. And I love talking with you about this particular topic. This was a lot of fun for me. It was a lot of fun for me too, because you filled in a lot of gaps with your Hollywood experience. Uh And with that said, as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. That is also proudly displayed on the back of every single MoFax with Adam Curry t-shirt designed and produced by Roger Roundy. I'm sure these will be on sale soon somewhere or 
Maybe you have to donate to get them. Speaking of such, mofax.com. Go directly to our donation page, mofundme.com, or get a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com and boost us as much as you can. We'll be back in 14 days from now with another, well, we can't even call it a show. These are just straight up college credit lessons of MoFax with Adam Curry. Thanks again, brother. All right, see you later, Adam. <laughs>